light and we're looking good You'll be in for a fight and we fight pretty good Getting goals is our job and we get goals good Looking good, we are Carlisle United Hello everyone, you're listening to the Brunson Bugle The number one place to get your Carlisle United fix in the podcast world I'm Lee Rooney And I'm Mike Booth There's only one team in Cumbria United run right in the derby at Brunson Park And jump into the automatic promotion places We look back on the 5-1 Whoa, man <laughs> You know what? It's very hard to say 5-1 win, isn't it? (laughs) Right, let's have another go at that, shall we? Okay. And we're looking good, you'll be in for a fight And we fight pretty good, getting goals is our job And we get goals good, looking good, we are Carlisle United Hello everyone, you're listening to the Brunton Bugle The number one place to get your Carlisle United fix in the podcast world I'm Lee Rooney And I'm Mike Booth There's only one team in Cumbria United run right in the derby at Brunton Park And jump into the automatic promotion places We look back on the 5-1 win over Barrow And the 1-0 victory at Rochdale While looking ahead to the visit of Bogeyside Harrogate Town this weekend Oh Mike Do we start to believe Do we really start to believe right now Four no. wins in a row. It's it's. Oh, you don't want to get headies all dear, but it, it it just something's building, isn't it? Something's building. Definitely, definitely, and I think them automatic promotion places are ours for the taking. To be honest with you, yeah, there's a big opportunity there, and you know, I, I said before Christmas, I thought already it were gone, and you know, they could, you know they'll run away with it, and yeah. I think they're catchable. I think Ori mm-hmm. could end up. I still think they'll be at least in the playoff places, but I mm-hmm. think. They could end up dropping out the top three now, couldn't they? But uh, yeah, yeah uh, how you doing, mate? You must be pretty pleased with your choice of a uh, annual leave to to go to a couple of games, haven't you? You've seen two games, and you've seen yeah. uh, how many goals in there? Ten goals in total. Yeah, it's uh, that's all right, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, it's an unbelievable night the other night. I think it's one of them that people will remember for a long, long time. I might stop talking to you about the Burton away game now. Now you've because <laughs> we both went to that Barrow game. Yeah. When we speak to our good friend Craig, we might have to say to him, oh, what a game that was against Barrow. Did you get... Oh, wait, hang on. Because I'm fairly <laughs> sure he wasn't there at the game uh, the other night, Craig, bless him. But, uh, but yeah, plenty to fit in this week, isn't there? We're going to be talking, obviously, about the uh, the wins over Rochdale and uh, Barrow. We've got, um, obviously, a preview of the Harrogate game coming up, and we've got the X-File stuff to fit in as well. Tiny bit of news as well to cover. We'll cover that in just a sec. Uh, first up, we've got to tell you about our sponsor and where you can find us on social media and how to subscribe to the podcast. We'd like to say a big thank you to the Carl United Sports Club London Branch for once again sponsoring the podcast this season. The London Branch is open to all Carl United fans. They've got members from Cornwall to Dundee and Houston to Singapore and of course every part of London and the South East. They regularly meet up on away trips as well as arranging many social events, sporters games and fundraising for the club. This season they'll be providing us with information for the away games as part of the preview section. You can find out more about the London Branch at their website, carlislelondonbranch.org. If you haven't already... Please make sure you subscribe to the podcast. You can find us on all good podcast apps, whether it's Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Cast. Basically, search for the Brunton Bugle, click subscribe, and then when a new episode comes out, you'll get a little notification to tell you to download it and listen to it at your leisure. Also, if there's an option to review on any of those apps, please do so. If you can give us a five-star review, that would be really lovely. It's a great way for us to get the message out about the podcast and so more people can learn about it. And uh, yeah, we can spread the word even more. 
You can also find us on social media, at Brunton Bugle, on Instagram and Twitter. If you go onto Facebook and search for the Brunton Bugle, click like as well. You can follow our page. Uh, we're also on the Be Just On Fear Not Facebook group and also on the Buzzies Back message board, the new message board that's replaced the cummins.net. Uh, and also, if you want to drop us an email, bruntonbugle at gmail.com. Okay, Mike, then let's get on with it. News time. Um, one bit of news, a bit of transfer news from deadline day. Thankfully, not a first-team player. And I say this in the nicest way possible because it was it was a bit of a shock, this one, wasn't it? I mean, pleasingly, come 11 o'clock, no first-team players had left. The squad was intact. But one of the youth team squad did leave. And this, this came out of nowhere, didn't it, Mike? Yeah. And, you know, as far as sort of youth team graduates moving on in previous years go, Carr wasn't one that you'd have pegged down as sort of going for a high level, maybe. Yeah, it, it was a little bit surprising. So Ryan Carr has left the club to join Ipswich Town. On I think he's he basically going to complete his scholarship there, and then he's going to get a professional deal. Essentially, I think. Um, by all accounts, they were watching him a while back and asked to see him before Christmas. He had a short trial there, clearly impressed. And this week of all times, they've decided to finally put an offer in for him. I think they've been working on three or four players. I think haven't they? They signed four players at once. Hence why this was announced at half time during the uh, the Barrow game. Mm. Um, it was just a case of I think they, they were announcing all four of them at once, and just happened that our game was playing at the same time. Um, so yeah, we've got an undisclosed fee from him. It's not going to be a big fee, I think we know that. And Simo has actually said a minimal fee, didn't he? Basically yeah. on, on the radio, and unfortunately, EPPP rules mean that that's the way it is for clubs at our level now. If we got a youth team player who's not on a professional deal, and I'm sure we would have loved to have given him a deal, but it just he'd made his mind up and and you know Ipswich is a club that's got a good reputation for producing young players and you know players from Carlisle have gone down there in the past you know the likes of Kevin Beattie and, and Steve mm. McCall have been down there and had great success in their careers so it's hard to begrudge the lad the chance and it's all been done the proper way by Ipswich but it's just another frustration with clubs at our level isn't it that, that teams can do that yeah, but you know, sort of like you said before, of all the players to lose this January, it's uh, it's not as bad as it could have been. If, if you were given that option, you you would have said you would have bit the hands off it meant if it meant you know Moxon and Gibson and you know yeah. the, the quality you know the, I say quality the the play the first team players who are making a big difference could stay then yeah of course we would have taken that and it's one of those ones things Simmer said isn't it look we can't give him first team opportunities because look at how well our midfield is doing and look who's mm. waiting in the wings to come in you've got mm. Charters and Devitt exactly. and you know even McCallman you know waiting to come in now so his chances were always going to be limited with us for a while I'm sure if you know he waited a couple of years he might have done I hope he's a success there I hope we're not talking about another you know Liam McCarron or uh, Josh mm. Galloway who's you know gone away and it's just done it too early and if he'd waited he maybe would have got a chance of us but it's hard to begrudge a young lad to take that chance. And he isn't a local lad. I'm pretty sure he's from the North East. I think he's from Newcastle. So I think it, so, yeah. It's not it's not so much like a local lad moving away in that sense, but he is someone who we've produced through our academy. So all the best to Ryan in his uh, future endeavours down in well, I think Suffolk. It, you say produced through our academy. I think he was only with us two years. When he, he was, yeah, that's what I mean. I mean, academy, I'm yeah. saying in the wider sense of academy. Up to yeah, the yeah. Under 18s, but there you go. Well, let's get on to Lone Watch then, Mike. And let's talk about someone who has come through our academy. Again, another lad from the North East, I think, Max Killsby. First up, Alan Athletic. He's in a hell of a run, isn't he? He's uh, yeah. Him and Alan. Uh, Alan are up to third place now. They picked up a 3-0 win over East Fife at Galabank at the weekend. And mm-hmm. Max continues his great form. He scored another goal, didn't he? Yeah. Uh, Close-range follow-up this one was from, uh, I think, a shot that hit the post. He was in there to bundle it in for the uh, third goal of the win. And, um, yeah, they're up to third place. They've, they have 
played, I think, a game more than pretty much all the teams below them. But, you know, points in the bank is the important thing, isn't it? We said this mm-hmm. plenty of times for ourselves this season. So they were looking in a little bit of danger a little while back. They were down near the relegation places, but I think they've, they've pulled themselves away now. And, um, yeah, great stuff for Max. And I, I think we keep saying it, don't we? We fully expect his deals can be extended at the end of the season, I think, because he's, he's shown yeah, I think so. there to the East. He's a player that potentially could develop with us. Um, next up for this weekend, they face a trip to take on Bonnie Rig Rose, who I think they beat 4-0 last weekend. So, quick turnaround in terms of games there. Um, mm-hmm. Lewis Bell, I mean, Gretna's season, it's just pretty miserable for them, isn't it? I think another defeat for mm-hmm. them. They lost 4-0 at uh, Tranent Juniors. Um, Lewis did play the full 19 minutes again, though, so it's good game time for him. Next up for them is, is a tough tie. They're at home against uh, Heart of Midlovian B team. So, uh, not an easy one for them. Sam Fishburn, uh, Morp have had a really tough game this week, and they took, took on Radcliffe. And for those who don't know, Radcliffe have been quite big spenders in the summer, haven't they? They've got mm. a couple of our former players there in uh, yeah. Nicky Adams and Luke Joyce. So um, yeah. they only got a 1-0 win, though, Morpeth in this game. Uh, no, not Morpeth, sorry, uh, Radcliffe. So narrow defeat, probably to be expected against a team that spent that much money. Um, Sam, another good uh, bit of uh, experience for him. 85 minutes he got in this game before he was subbed. Um, this weekend, they travelled to Greater Manchester to take on Ashton United. Um, and finally, Dan Hill. He had, an, had his third appearance, finally, for uh, Clayton Mill Celtic. Um, but their poor run form continues. They lost 3-0 at home to back up Borough. Right, well, let's get on to the match reviews then, uh, Mike. First up, we'll do the Rochdale one. We'll, we'll probably be a bit quicker on this one because you weren't at it. I'm sure you've watched back the extended highlights and stuff like yeah. that. But, uh but I was I was I attended this game with uh, Chris, who's uh, from Sheffield. He's one of our listeners as well, so I'll give him a little shout out to Chris. Um, yeah, I think Simo saw him do quite well this one 0 win over Rochdale. Um, it was not gonna, ever going to be a game for the purists, was it? I mean, no. you, you can see on the telly, we could see it up close at the game. Not a great pitch to play on, is it? I don't, I don't know if the rugby team still play that. I presume they still do, but yeah, no, not really conditions for for classic football. No, exactly, and you know that aside. Obviously, Rochdale scrapping a little bit um, uh-huh. doesn't help with pure football. Um, I listened on the radio, um, and Lummy was actually quite shocked at sort of how little fight he was saying that Rochdale had for a relegation threatened team. It, it was a strange one because um, the first half was a pretty much a non-event. Actually, I mean, if you look what I've put in in terms of here. Um, in terms of the chances, there was an early chance for us in terms of Gordon after about two minutes. I'll, we'll talk about that in a second. Gordon's goal, a long-range effort from Dennis that went wide, and that's it for real chances mm. in the first half. It, it it just never really quite got going after we scored the goal. You'd have thought, great, we can kick on it and get a few more. But like I said, the, the pitch was not a great one. The ball was bobbling all over the place. And it, and it affected both teams because Rochdale were trying to play a bit of football. Actually, They weren't just lumping it long. They've got two pacey lads up front and in Rodney and um, uh, Damani Miller, the lad they signed from Wickham on loan. So they were causing a little bit of problems with their pace. And they've got, you know, little Liam Kelly in midfield, you know, who likes to pass it about, and Danny Lloyd, similar. But neither team really could on that pitch. It really didn't help. The, the conditions mm-hmm. weren't too bad. It wasn't really particularly windy or rainy, but yeah, the, the pitch was pretty poor, it's fair to say. But yeah, they... I don't know. Did they not show much fight? Maybe not. Late on, they did. They, they looked much more lively yeah, when they made the subs like late on. But, yeah, early on, not so much. I mean, we'll talk about the goal then, Mike. I mean, 
it's a fairly simple goal, really, isn't it? Just a free ball, player runs through and scores. But the two main elements of it, absolute class, weren't they? I mean, first yeah. off, Mellish boots the ball forward. Dennis shows great composure to sort of hold... I say hold off his defender. I think the defender totally misjudges the ball. I don't know why he's pressing that high. It's, it's a very strange one. They're, they're trying yeah. to keep the attack going, aren't they? Mm. Yeah, it was, it, it was quite weird. And the way he sort of pressed Dennis made that ball from Dennis. It made, made it look easy. I'm sure it wasn't easy because yeah. he weighted that ball absolutely perfectly, you, didn't he? You can't undersell just how good of a pass that was actually you know because mm. like you said the, the defender goes too far he, he pushes too high and misjudges the bounce Dennis holds him off and the weight on it like you said the weight on it is incredible it's absolutely perfect because mm. mm. I think you pointed this out to me Gordon only takes one touch before he yeah because yeah. you think he's, he's run pretty much the whole well from inside his own half to the edge of the area he only touches it once before he has the shot yeah and the touch is perfect. It's a great touch to set himself up. And then the finish, perfect. Bring the keeper out, slide it past him, goal. 1,600 Carlisle fans go absolutely barmy. And, and yeah, it, it, yeah, I think Dennis deserves all the credit for, for, the, for the setup of the goal. Because the easiest thing to do there is overhit it and give the goalkeeper a chance to, to come out yeah. and close him. Or underhit it so he, he only gets to the ball and the defender has a chance to try and keep up with him. Yeah, It was yeah. put enough ahead that he didn't have to touch the ball. This is the thing. Because he didn't have to touch the ball straight away, he could get full speed. Because running with a football, anyone who's ever played football will tell you, is not an easy skill. It's a really no. tough skill, actually, to run full no, pelt that, with the and, ball. And that's the thing with him taking just the one touch. If it, if he'd taken a few touches, it would have slowed him down a lot. But yeah. just one touch, run onto it, and finish. Yeah. You know, it made it look finish. easy. Really, he made it look a lot easier than it was. Really, I and mean, then you got to say, yeah, great start. And you think, great atmosphere's up here, chance to get going. And it never really did first half. It was a strange. It was a bit bitty, and then you know, it was a, the referee didn't help things much either. He was a bit card happy. Yeah. Got, got to say, J.K. maybe a little lucky to stay on the field. I was a bit worried at this incident. You, you'll have mm. seen it back because it's on the YouTube highlights. Yeah, yeah. extended highlights. What's your thoughts on it from you watching it on on the screen? Yeah, well, you've certainly seen him given, um, but th- it seems to be a thing a lot this season in that. Players on a yellow, it used to be pretty much whenever they made a foul, when you're already on a yellow, you're off. You're like yeah. second yellow. But I've seen it quite a lot this season where players make a foul when they're already on a yellow. And I think the referee maybe looks at it more individually as if if the player yeah. wasn't on a yellow, would I book him for this? Yeah. You know. It, 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 yeah, it, it's a strange one. It's, for me... He has a little glance at McNulty. And they had a real battle all game. I have to say, mm. McNulty... Certainly made a meal of a few things involving Gordon. Couple that way didn't even touch him, and he just threw himself down. He was for a thirty-seven-year-old man. It was pretty p- pathetic, really, to watch him <laughs> at times. But um, but yeah, the, the one where he stuck his arm. I think he's just. I've, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Say he's putting his arm up to try and get his, you know better balance and better control. But that little look made me think you've got you've got to be careful this because mm. experienced defenders like McNulty will catch you out with stuff like that. They will get yeah, you booked. Yeah. They will potentially get you sent off. So. Just got to be a little bit careful with that, JK, you know, mm. going forward. Um, into the second half, it, it didn't massively improve in terms of quality, if I'm honest. You've got one shot from Guy from distance that went just wide. A potential penalty for Dale? Have you seen this one back yet? Yeah. The, the shove? I, I, I have to admit, watching it back, it, it's clumsy from Feeney. Mm. I, I've seen refs give that. That said, the player does go down. Da- 
I feel like the player's looking for it a little bit. That's the only thing I think that made me think the ref's spot nah. Yeah, I, I, I think I'd probably agree with that. I think he, I think he was looking for it. And I, I mean, who would be a referee? Because, I mean, you know, some of the big, big calls in this game where, you know, obviously the Rochdale fans would be absolutely calling for your blood. Yeah. And he sort of held his nerve and, well, made, shall we say, the correct decisions. Well, we'll, we'll discuss that one in a minute because <laughs> it, it, it's borderline to say the least. Mm. Um yeah, so the guy chance from distance, uh, potential penalty for them. Dennis then scuffed a brilliant chance to make it 2-0, actually. I'll watch it back now. And I, At the time, I gave him a little bit of credit and said, you know, maybe it's a little bit in front of him, maybe it's not quite right set for him. I think he probably could have even took a touch. And I Normally, you'd back him to do that. That's a one-off, you know, isn't it? Nine times out of ten, Dennis takes that chance. Brilliant play mm. from Armour and Moxon, actually. Armour, sorry, and um, Mellish mm. to set this up, though. Lovely back heel from Armour to set him away down the uh, left. Um... Yeah, and then beyond that, I mean, well, there's one thing we're going to talk about in a minute, but we'll talk about it on its own a little bit, because it, it's it's the moment of the match. Yeah. Um, uh, the Lyle fellow they brought on, Odo, he, he looked lively when he came on, but I can see why he's only used as a sub, because a couple of moments he was brilliant, and a couple of moments he was shocking and just gave the ball away easily, and Moxon had him in his pocket for some of those points. But did really well, actually, to get the ball 25 yards from goal, and hit a shot that was going towards the top corner, and... Holy again makes a great. I think it comes back to the point you made, Mike, about Holy, in that if Mark Howard makes that save last season, he's stretching and diving to palm it behind. Yeah, and it looks so much more spectacular. But because he's so big, and the movement's a lot slower to get there, because mm. he's there already, pretty much, it doesn't look quite spectacular. But that's a really good save, isn't it? Yeah, de- definitely, definitely. And uh, you know, obviously, got a clean sheet from that one. He, to be honest, he deserved a clean sheet in the. Uh, in the game the previous Saturday against uh, Newport, Newport not it? Newport. You mean um, I've forgotten. No, we didn't play one on the previous Saturday. You, you mean the Hartlepool game? Yeah, yeah the Hartlepool game. Yeah, Newport of course. Yeah. And yeah, Owen Moxon obviously gifted them yeah. a goal, <laughs> uh, so he, he kind of deserved a clean sheet in that one. You know, obviously looking forward a little bit the uh, the Barra game. It was not a lot he could do in that one really, uh, and. You know he's proven he sort of got quite a bit of criticism after the Walsall cock up, but he's he's proven a few people wrong. You know, and and people say he's not doing a lot, but that's the sign of a good keeper. Yeah, when when he has to do something, he's there, mm. and he's ready to do it. And like, like you said, that the last two goals he's conceded, there's a strong argument our players are responsible for both of them. So he must yeah. be like, come on, I could he, he could have had four clean sheets in a row at this point. Yeah, exactly. Frustrating for him, I guess. But there you go. Um, yeah, so that long-range effort. Uh, there was a couple of other efforts from, I think, from Quigley and Dodgson from the edge of the box that went well over. And then, well, let's talk about the disallowed goal then, Mike. I mean, mm. you obviously weren't there. You've got the benefit of watching it back on the thing. At the time when it went in, ball comes in, head is across, and then does Holy flap it a little bit? I don't think there's much Holy could do, really. He sort of lands there and he has to try and make himself big to to stop Henderson. Henderson's a very good finisher, finishes it from a few yards out. I straight away thought to myself, linesman's not moved here. Normally when mm. the goal's given, the linesman's straight up the pitch, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. If, he, yeah. if he's got no decision to make, he waited there. And I, I said straight away, I said to Chris, I said straight away, he's waiting for the referee to come over here because he wants mm. the referee to tell him who touched the ball last because it was, it was close. It was very close between who touched it last. Mm. He's like, I don't know who touched it last. I can't flag yet, so tell me whether it is or not. Because if he flags, that's the decision made. The referee's not going to argue with it. So he's... Yep. Waste for the referee to come over. Our players 
Huntington are like, obviously, I'm sure their manager will say, oh, the players got round and put the pressure on him. That's not the reason. He was waiting for him to come over and he makes the decision. Is it the right one? I've seen two or three angles and I still cannot work out whether he is or not. Yeah, I'll see it from one angle and I'll say that is absolutely offside and I'll see it from another angle from, from main, and say he looks onside. From the main angle, it looks very tight. It looks like maybe his yeah. foot is stretching offside. From one of the side ones, he looks like he's on. But then from the other side one, he looks like he's a yard or two off. But I'm I'm sure he's not a yard or two off. It, if, it is, if he is off, he's borderline. And I do feel rushing a bit because it, it's, it's a tight one. Yeah. But then again, the linesman had the best view of the lot. He was looking right along it and he's the one who... Yeah. He's basically said, I think it's offside if the, the Rochdale player is the last one to touch it. Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, but, you know, unlucky Rochdale, but hey, them, them's the breaks, aren't they? Um, well, you know, we've we've had decisions against us that have cost us games, and yeah. you sometimes get decisions in your favour that win your games. And, well, we've, we've, you had, know. we've had two in a row in our favour now, so let's not get too yeah. excited. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so there you go. Um, well, we haven't got any six-second reviews for this one, um, but let's let's go through a few talking ones before we go into the uh, the main game we all want to talk about. Um, yeah, I mentioned about Gordon there, all action, you know, goal in a battle with a you know experienced centre half and showing he could hold his own. But again, just got to keep calm on that. If I'm going to have one slight criticism of him, one slight criticism of him is I think he needs to learn not to take extra touches and just hit it sometimes. Yeah, and I'm talking about the chance early on, the Gibson one where they were trying to play out from the back, and Gibson did brilliantly to nick the ball. Now, in that situation, Gordon probably should have done one of two things: one, leave it for Gibson because I think if Gibson gets it, he can then knock it quickly round the defender and go for the shot. But because Gordon took it, he had to set himself. He took one touch, and then it comes onto his left, and I think just hit it. Mm. But then he takes another, and another goes round the keeper, it goes so wide that. He chips it in and ends up with just a corner from the defender putting out. And that's the thing, in under-21s football, you can take that extra yeah, touch, yeah, you can exactly. take the extra three touches, you know. Yeah. But the, the, he's in men's football now, and it's something that he, he needs to learn pretty quickly. Yeah, but I mean, it, it, it's a minor criticism. It, 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 yeah. it does want him to improve, because the impact he's made in his opening four games is incredible, really. Compared against what Stretton did in his time, mm. and that's not a slight on Stretton, because you know, he got better and better as he went along. Yeah. He, but he, it, t- it took him as many, up. yeah. It took him three games to score as many goals as Stretton did in eighteen. So yeah, exactly, yeah, <laughs> exactly. He's, he's 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 had a great impact so far. Re- really impressed by him. Um, all right, well, let's talk about it then, Mike. That Owen Moxon pirouette. Oh, it's beautiful, wasn't it? it? It absolutely disgusting. That again, we're going to keep saying this about Owen Moxon. Some of the things he does should be on Pornhub. They're that, you know. <laughs> They're that disgusting, and oh, it, it's it, it, the great thing about this is he does brilliantly initially to win the ball, and then the ball sits there, and it's right ahead of him, and you can see Diaraga going for it, and you as soon as he went for it, the whole crowd's almost like, we know exactly what he's going to do here. We know yeah. exactly what he's going to do here because I think he's done it once before this season. I can't remember who it's against, and he runs up to step to it, and you think, yeah, he's going to do it, and he does the pirouette on the ball, and you know, as um. A friend of mine uh, did message about that. I'm going to have to find the, the, the message he sent to describe what if he was Dio Garaga, what would he um, what, what would he do in that situation after that had happened? Uh, I'm just going to load this up. Uh, da, 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 da. Yes, he, he said basically here. He said uh, that flick around Dio Garaga, I would have just walked off and never turned up again. 
<laughs> and then he followed it up when I sent him a video of the of the pitch slide uh, video of that. He said, changed my phone number, bought a new passport off the dark web and lived the rest of my life under an assumed identity. <laughs> so yeah, it's um that 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 shows how how good of a this. I mean we'll talk about it in a bit, but keeping him in the transfer window has been in like oh, best massive. Yeah. And and you know, you mentioned that pirouette there, but he had a little sort of jink inside against Barrow as well. That you know, I think it's when he set up Patrick's goal. Yeah, um, yeah. not make the defender and, basically. Yeah, so. and he's he's got that in his locker, and I think he wasn't doing that stuff early in the season. Uh, you know, he's kind of proven himself now, and he he's willing to to try these things and and sort of grab games by the scruff of the neck and show people just how good he is. Yeah, yeah, he's he's really he's he's grown into in into that role. I mean, he was good from the start, but the way he's grown into the yeah. belief in him is a, I'm a football league player. And you know what? He, he believes he's the best player in the division and the stats show that he is at the moment. Yeah. If you go on whoscored.com, he's now comfortably ahead of, I think it's Carl Piergiani actually is the next best player um, mm. in terms of stats. So he's, Hoskins has dropped off a bit in recent weeks. So yeah, fantastic. And I mean, surely he and probably Dennis are in contention for League Two Player of the Month, you'd think. Yeah, you'd it'd think be ni- so. In a weird way, it'd be nicer once for someone who hasn't actually scored a goal this month mm. to be the player of the month just because of how good they've generally been because he's been outstanding. But yeah, I, sus- I suspect but it, it'll be Dennis. It tends it. to go off goals, doesn't it? Really? It does. So I suspect it'll be Dennis. But hey, we'll be happy if Dennis gets it as well, to be fair. Mm. He's, he's been brilliant. Um, so yeah, as you mentioned, not a classic performance. I mean, referee, dreadful, really. I mean, mm. Take away, you know, the decision on the offside and stuff. He was just handing out cards for fun in the first half, and yeah, the one he gave to Huntington, fair enough. But then to not give one for to their lad Clark when he took out Moxon on the left, and mm. Feeney actually got booked as a result of that because he complained. He said, "Look, yeah, what you, you do?" And we're told that captains can talk to them. And now maybe exactly. maybe Feeney went a little bit too far. And what he said, I don't know, but it, it feels to me like the ref just didn't want to hear from anyone mm. about his decision, did he? So. I have to say though, I love Feeney as a captain. I think. He's always, always like going up to referees yeah. and it, doing doing what a captain should. And I think, you know, we're going off on a complete tangent here, but Feeney with the armband over Guy, Guy's just able to concentrate on his football a lot more. And Guy's been a much better player this season Guy's as, been re- as a result of that. He's been br- like genuinely brilliant this season. So, so, yeah, I mean, I'm just checking here how old Feeney is. He's not 24 till uh, next Wednesday. Oh, two days after yeah. my birthday. I didn't even know that. <laughs> so there you go. Um, so yeah, Morgan Feeney, been fantastic this season. And mm. again, great captain's performance for him. Um, finally, before we go on to the Barrow one, we'll just talk about the fans. 1,600 of them there. Biggest away following of the season so far. I mean, I think we'll struggle to beat that this season because we haven't really got any... Unfortunately, Barrow, we only get 500, 600 tickets, don't we? So Yeah, there's not many away ends that will uh, let that many in. So yeah, brilliant. Unless we're taking a... Huge hauls down to Wimbledon in a couple of weeks, which I suspect we're probably not going to. But uh, mm. well, we'll be there, though. We'll be uh, reporting back yeah. on that one. Um, yeah, on the early train, thanks. Like, yeah, start <laughs> starting. Yeah, from f- the first whistle, the, the noise those fans made was incredible from the start. Probably all um, uh, tanked up on the uh, the Jaegers that they had in the uh, <laughs> cask and feather beforehand, which apparently is not allowed to do that anymore. They're, they've been told by the police to. Uh, Cut it out. So probably something to do with the photo that was put up that showed a few people who looked a little bit underage, mm. <laughs> uh, staring uh, wistfully at the uh, the three hundred odd um, Jaeger bombs that were up on the bar. I mean, 
I could smell that photo and it did not smell good to me. The smell of <laughs> yeah. a Red Bull. Made me a little bit nauseous, but there you go. But yeah, fair play, lads. Brilliant atmosphere. Keep it up. We'll talk about that again in a minute when we talk about the, the Barrow game. So yeah, shall we uh, shall we take a short break, Mike? Let's, let's do two breaks today so we can get to use some more of our um, uh, halftime break thing. So we'll take a little break and we'll be back for part two to talk about the Barrow game shortly. Hi, I'm Owen Moxon and you're listening to the Brunton Bugle. Well, we had to pick Owen, didn't we? To, to take us into part yeah. two because of his uh, brilliant pirouette. We talked about that and he had a brilliant game here as well, didn't he? Carl United 5, Barrow 1. I mean, Mike, biggest uh, Tuesday night attendance in, I think, something like 10, 12 years, something like that. I think the Leeds game in yeah, the league the Leeds, at least. It, well, yeah, I think the biggest one I remember was the Leeds one in the uh, Johnson's Pet Trophy. In, just in the league, though. I think we yeah, played them on yeah. Tuesday night as well. I think in the last season they were in... Um, League One, and I think that yeah. was the last time we had a sub. Uh, sorry, a, a plus nine thousand crowd on a Tuesday night, and yeah. they were treated to a, a real classic in the second half, shall we say? Certainly yeah. not in the first half. It, very much the proverbial game of two halves, but with a slight end to that first half that just pushed us into the position of uh, power, didn't it? Really? Yeah, definitely. I mean, the, f- the first half. You could argue Barrow were the better side, to be honest. Like, yeah. we really struggled to get going. I think Barrow pressed us quite well, um, and we couldn't really just get our foot on the ball in midfield, and we really struggled. And Simo obviously put Mellish into midfield to kind mm. of combat that, which, you know, the rest was history, wasn't it? Yeah, we, we both did say at the game, didn't we? We both said, these lot are the, in the first half, the half time, we both said, this is the the best side we've seen in terms of pressing us this season. Mm. Like they, we couldn't, normally down the left, when we play down the left, when we play with, you know, Mellish and uh, Armour down there, when we're playing 3-5-2, you also get Guy coming inside to give Armour an option to play to and play balls around the corner then, that kind of thing. They weren't giving Armour the chance to play inside. He constantly had to play it back to Feeney or to Mellish further Mm. back to the pitch. It it, it was, I was actually really impressed with the, the effort the likes of uh, Gott and Foley and co got through actually they, they really did make it difficult for us and while despite that Holy didn't really have a save to make I mean the only real chance they had first half was probably the the one that hit the bar <laughs> from they had a couple, mm. couple where they got through on goal but they, they completely wasted those chances and the one they hit the bar for those who haven't seen it yet it's, it's basically the the fullback Warren from the right, sends in a cross and it catches the wind. And yeah. we'll talk about the conditions in it because they were not conducive to any sort of good football, that, especially in that first half. Mm. And it just catches the wind and, and Holy was just completely caught out by it, wasn't it? And thankfully came back off the bar and out to safety. Yeah, uh, it would have been an absolute freakish goal if, if that had gone in. Um, and you saw, like, yeah, obviously we saw when Farman was with us what a great keeper he is, how great yeah. his kicking is. And a lot of his kicks, he was putting everything behind him, you know, doing his big four-mile run-up before taking him. And it was, they were just about getting to the halfway line, weren't they, a lot of them? Well, this is the thing. He, he did, Farman's kicks, with the technique he uses, he gets the ball very, very high mm. all the time. And he didn't seem to click on until about a couple of minutes before the half-time whistle, maybe. And he, mm. he's sounding like, oh, maybe I should take a little bit off these and maybe not put them so high. And then when he did mm. that, they actually started to get some distance. Mm. But as it was, he, yeah, he was struggling to get it over the halfway line because it was going up and getting up to the halfway line in terms of height and then just dropping straight down almost. It was, mm. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't great for him in terms of that. Um, team selection for this one. Obviously, we mentioned in the last game, the team selection was the same. They just stuck with the same 11 and same subs. 
Um, I think we always felt there might be a little bit of rotation of strikers in these games, and we were proved mm. right. Um, Garner and um, Patrick both came in for Dennis and Gordon. Maybe a little bit harsh on Gordon, you know, in terms of the fact that he scored the winner against Rochdale. But mm. Simo quite rightly said, "I need to keep the team fresh for this, you know, for the running and <laughs> work to treat." The big surprise, though, came at uh, right wing back, didn't it? Yeah, uh, Ben Barkley, and obviously Simo said after the game that Senior isn't injured. He's just, you know, uh, after having quite a few games, after having just come back from yeah. injury, he felt that this was a game that he could rest him in. Yeah. In other words, Simo saying that Barrow are crap, <laughs> and you know we can afford to rest uh, yeah. rest yeah. a few players for. Well, him. I, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I think his words were that he felt we'd pushed our luck a little bit with Senior in terms of him mm. coming back from the injury, and thought if we do this, we're, uh, he he has all the stats from you know the um the what you call him the the GPS monitors and the heart monitors yeah. that they wear, doesn't he? And they'll know that. Right, we're pushing him to the limit here, maybe. And, and he even said, he said, look, I don't even want him on the subs bench. I want him yeah, to have yeah. a chance to be able to relax and, and not have to worry about the fact that, oh, am I going to have to come on and play or whatever? And that gave him a nice relaxing Tuesday night, chance to watch the game. He got his tunes on, though, didn't he? He got to pick the pre-match tunes on the PA. Yeah. Some some interesting choices in there, Joel, um, <laughs> as is always seems to be the case with players these days. But uh, maybe that's just... Probably just me getting old, isn't it, I think? That's probably fair to say. Um... So yeah, but Barkley coming in from the cold, that was the surprise. Because I mean, your feeling was, well, maybe you put Gibson there, but then Gibson's played so well as a number 10, you mm. don't really want to drop him from there. You could play Whelan, but I suppose Whelan doesn't really have the pace to get up and down as much as Senior would do. Barkley's quite a mobile, athletic lad, isn't he? We saw that mm. in the opening games of the season. He was doing almost the same thing that the Mellish was doing down the right, wasn't he? In terms of down the left, he was he was getting up and down the pitch a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, his his passes are, are very good yeah, from the back. He, he can pick out sort of the right passes, which uh, it's something that we don't particularly have with anyone else in the no. back three. No, normally. certainly not. So yeah, so yeah, in terms of that, that that's what happened with the um, team selection. I mean, chances first half very limited. There was one for Patrick down the uh, down the left where he did really well to to cut inside and hit a low shot that Farman put behind for a corner. Well, see the, the chance for Barrow where the ball hit the bar from the overhit cross. And they had a couple more shots. Um, one that went wide from, I can't remember if it was who had the shot now. It might have been Foley, I think, had a shot from distance that went well wide, even though the Barrow Twitter claimed it was inches, it whisker wide. It was about, <laughs> yeah. it was, we were right behind it. It was about 10 feet wide. It was awful. Yeah, it was um, It was a way shot. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, and then a, a nice little move from Patrick and Gibson. So Gibson back here in for Mellish. A little taste of what was to come, wasn't it? And uh, yeah. Farman did actually really well to block this one, and Mellish was just stretching to get to the ball, wasn't he? I think if he if he'd been a bit closer to him, he probably would have scored there. Um, yeah, definitely. And then came Mellish's goal. Let, let's let's be honest and upfront straight away here. He's an absolute mile offside, isn't he? It's it's yeah. not even. Cl- I've heard someone say, "Oh, but he got himself back on." He didn't even get himself back on side. <laughs> <laughs> he he really didn't. After the ball had been headed, he did not get, ever get back into a point where. He was on side and then back mm. into you know behind, mm. um, but yeah. So uh, basically, we had a set piece, uh, sent all the big men up. He got cleared, came to armour, and he sent a ball forward, which Ben Barkley was actually still up the pitch, and he did really well to win his header, flick it on, and George Ray just completely divvied on it, didn't he? He just mm. didn't seem to know what to do. Mellis came in and said, "Thank you very much." Take a touch to get away from him, and then just poked the ball past Farm, and he didn't really have much of a chance to stop it, and. The thing that's, like I said, that puzzles me is that 
no one appealed for it. And the right back, Warren, was looking right at it. And surely he would have seen that he was offside. Exactly. And I almost wonder so. if that's, if he, if one of them had put their arm up, I wonder if he maybe would have been flagged and the lines of them would have been, yeah, mm. he probably was off there and put his flag up, but nothing. And it was a big turning point in the game. I, I don't, I don't doubt that. And it definitely gave us a bit of more of a lift and Simo did, probably didn't have to read, mm. um, whether he would have read a right act, I don't know, but he didn't really have to have a go at them at half time. Mm. You could have said, right, let's just build on what we've got now, wouldn't you? Yeah, definitely. And um, yeah, I mean, for me, the the way the Barrow players reacted to that goal, it, it's kind of, you know, I don't want to sound like I'm being too brutal here, but it's a lack of that sort of winner's mentality. I feel if that was us, you know, Morgan Feeney would be like right down the referee's ear, absolutely fuming yeah. at him. And, you know, sometimes you can't change the decision. You know, I get that. But the referee's sort of thinking next time. Sometimes you've seen yeah. it a lot where they subconsciously feel like they have to even these things out. And you... you- their head seemed to drop a little bit and there didn't seem to be much yeah. belief from them as to the fact that they could get back into it. There was, mm. yeah, they, they look like a side that was a bit devoid of confidence, if I'm honest, once that goal mm. went in. Into half time, obviously, and uh, into the second half. Uh, yeah, let, let, let's just take a minute, shall we, to once again appreciate the brilliance of Owen Moxon. I mean, what a ball. I, I mean, I, th- I said that, you know, um, that that pirouette should have been on Pornhub. Well, this this would be banned in several states in the US. It, it's, that, <laughs> it's that graphic. It was, I mean, first up, he does brilliantly to win the ball back, actually. Yeah. Full credit to me. He, he wins the ball back in an hour and a half off Foley with a great tackle. He's got this real habit of being able to nip in and just get his you know leg around a player and, and nick yeah. the ball. Guess what? He sets himself and he looks up and it's not like a, a hoof forward. It's a pass. It's mm. a, a low sort of curling pass across the floor that is inch perfect to the point that the defender can't do anything with it because he looks and thinks, if I take a touch here, all I'm doing is I'm setting it for, for Garner to go clean through on goal anyway. Mm. He just has to let it go and try and get to Garner. So the ball finds Garner on the left. And Garner's still got a bit to do. Mm. Cuts inside. And if you watch the video back, he actually faints to shoot, but then quickly shoots again, doesn't he? And yeah. catches out. Farming with a low goal for his first goal for the Blues since November 2012. Mm. Um, and yeah, some great celebrations, wasn't there, once that goal went in? Yeah, and, and I think, well, yeah, Barrow's heads just went at that point. And, yeah. you know, in that second half, I can't actually think of a, a Paul Farman making a save in that second half. Like, um, but pretty much well, every... Well, there was a chance for Patrick. The only one I pick out, so I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the order. Ah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So actually, after yeah. Garner's goal, Patrick um, sent uh, Warren S- for a, <laughs> sent him for a Brunton pass, didn't he? Yeah. Uh, which he would have had to wait a long time for, based on a YouTube video we've seen uh, this week. Um, mm. Someone waited 25 minutes, a YouTube vlogger. Um, but yeah, that's good enough for them. Um, so yeah, he, he basically made an absolute tit out of him on the left, didn't he? Got past him, yeah. got into the box, and Farman did actually quite well to keep his near post covered and put it behind for a, a corner. Yeah. That's the only but, save he really made. And yeah. It's the, I, I look back at the goals and I think to myself, there's nothing really could have done with any of them. Really. Because no. they're all good finishes. They're all good. Yeah. It, 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 I, he's not as good a keeper as when we had him. I think he's, still got, he's got too many ricks in him now. But mm. you know, he didn't have the worst game in the world. I think just we were just too good for that. Yeah. The stats show. That, look, look at the stats for us, Mike. I'm just looking back at the stats for the game, and this was the same for the Hartlepool game as well. I think almost identical. 
12 shots, nine which were on target. The efficiency mm. of our shooting has just gone through the roof. And I mean, the Rushville game was yeah. different because it, it was just the Rushville game. It was not a great game of football, you know, three shots and take out on nine. But at home, when we're playing well, we're really efficient in terms of our, the way we're taking our shots. Mm, it's definitely. genuinely really impressive. Uh, and uh, I mean, as well, you know, given the choice of forwards we've got now, they know that if they have an off day with the shooting, they could be out of the team next week. Yeah. You know, they really, they really have to keep on their toes to, and, to keep a place. And the thing the, that needs uh, to we've got, we've got two first choice, basically, straight partnerships now. Yeah, yeah. And we've still got Ryan Edmonton to come back in seven weeks. Yeah. For, and I, 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 nice I, and, and fresh I, from a rest as well. Yeah, and I think maybe Simo is going to stick to that, stick to having Dennis play with Gordon and Patrick play with Garner, yeah. so that they can sort of have a good understanding, sort of as a two, if you like. Um, yeah, yeah, but I mean, I feel like Joe Garner, to be honest. I mean, we'll touch on him again in a bit, but he's the kind of striker that you could play him alongside anyone. Yeah. He's, he's, you know, f- with with what he brings to the team. Um, but I mean, the whole paddock was laughing, weren't we? When you know, we're, I think we're four 0 up, and then we're bringing on the league's top goal scorer and a guy that scored two goals in three games. It's you like, know, it's taking the piss a little bit, that, isn't it? Really, it's it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's brilliant. But yeah, uh, and then Mellish doubled his uh, goal tally for the game and doubled his goal tally for the season actually in this game, didn't he? Um, mm. Yeah, again, this one, you know, guy did really well to uh, to win the ball back, poked it to Gibson and. Gibson actually if you watch this goal back again it's a lovely little turn on the ball to get himself facing the goal wasn't it because he had his back to goal when he yeah. gets it does a nice little turn on the ball and he just looks and thinks I've got to say this and, and, and again Ian who I met, met, mentioned before about the Garaga thing he, he said afterwards to me he said like we clearly recognised there was a massive gap between their right back and their right side centre back yeah like huge gaps all the time, and we're like, mm. well, if you push Melish even further forward, he can exploit them. Because Melish came on and didn't really play as a normal central midfield. He played more like a ten, didn't he? He was much further up the pitch for a lot of the game than he has been. A, a kind of left-sided ten rather than directly in the middle. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So he was basically just up there supporting Patrick as much as he could and getting forward. And like there was this huge gap, and he, I, I genuinely can't believe he had all that space. I don't think mm. he could either. And he was. <laughs> I know you thought he might have been on side, but if you watch it back, he definitely is on the side. Caravan. Plays him on, he's a, a yard off the pace there, kind of. Well, well, I, th- well I, th- I think Gibson doesn't realise it because before Gibson plays the pass, he almost delays, thinking yeah. he can't be onside and be in that much space, surely. Yeah, and then he just does play the pass, and yeah. yeah, and 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 tell you what, the pass, it, in a weird way, it's not the best pass in the world because it's almost straight at him, isn't it? Mm. But Mellish does really well. He just lets the ball come across him, gets his feet sorted, and just scoops it past Farman, who's yeah. advanced to come and try and close the gap. And yeah, three 0 Pretty much Herman dry by this point, but then five minutes later, Barrow's collapse continued. Um, this time, really good pressing down the right by the whole team, like three or four players pressing together in packs. Mm. Uh, the ball eventually comes to Mellish, he gets away, finds Patrick, and then plays it to Moxin, who again makes an absolute tit out of one of their defenders, nutmegs him, gets into the box, squares the ball to Patrick, and he says, Thank you very much. And side foot it past Farman to make it four. Mm. And his first goal since. Uh, Hartlepool October, isn't it? So yeah, yeah. Again, players just getting goals for the first time in a while, and that 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 gives you confidence, as well, doesn't it? To see players, yeah, definitely. Finding form. And, I mean, thoughts on Patrick's performance because I haven't put him down as a talking point, but if you if you just want to say, I mean, I thought he looked really sharp again. He looks like the Patrick we yeah. saw last season, doesn't he? Yeah, definitely. And I think him and Garner already have a bit of an understanding together. Mm-hmm. Um, that's only going to get better. Um, but yeah, he was full of running. Um, 
we he didn't have a lot of opportunities to run him behind. Barrow sat, sat quite deep for that. Um, yeah. But yeah, there was a couple of times when he got the ball to his feet one on one with the defenders, and you could tell that they were they were scared. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I saw someone one of the Barrow forms describe him as arguably one of the best left wingers in the division on his day, and I think they're absolutely right. Yeah, I think yeah. that's a perfect description of him. Um, then came the own really blot on the performance. Um, bit frustrating not to keep a clean sheet. It sort of starts from a loose clearance from Huntington, who had another great game, to be fair. It's just mm. one of those ones, isn't it? It's a loose clearance, but there's still plenty for them to do after that. Mm. Uh, comes to Ben Whitfield. I've got to say, Whitfield, is it, it's Whitfield, isn't it? That, that, that's yeah. the name of the list, isn't it? Whitfield. I thought he was Barrow's best player, and he only got, what, 10, 15 minutes, didn't he? Well, yeah, exactly. Something weird going on there because I, mm. you know, he's the he's the top assist, well, joint top assist in the division, I should say now, because mm. he's obviously uh, been tied by Moxon on ten mm. for the season in League Two. Uh, that's the official stats, not the Mike mm. Booth stats, which are, are well, slightly minor at all competitions. So, yeah, so you, yours are slightly higher. I think he's on what thirteen for us, I think, on yours or something like that. Uh, eleven, I think. 11. Only eleven. So he's only got. Yeah. Oh, he's got the one more in the League Cup, hasn't he? And that's it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, surprised it was that last. I thought he was a bit mm. more than that, but there you go. Um, I thought there might have been some unofficial ones where you'd uh, normally give him it, and uh, he didn't. But there you go. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so uh, so yeah, looking at I mean, checking here. Um, I got Whitfield down as coming on on mine, but there we go. Um, yeah, so Whitfield does actually quite well. Gets the ball out his feet and sends in a great cross. It, it, it's a good cross to fair, isn't it? It's, yeah, it's one of a horrible one because Holy can't really come for it. Waters is waiting, and Barkley has to do something about it. Unfortunately, yeah, if Barkley does, doesn't touch it, Waters is going to score. So. Yeah, so he has to try and have a go and, and, and stop it going in. Unfortunately, he puts it in the back of his own net. Cramps up at that point. I think that, I think that's part of the problem. I think he he, he was so knackered from playing his first mm. almost full 90 minutes in, what, f- trying to count how many months in, nearly six months. Mm. You know, it, it, it was always going to be a bit of a challenge for him. So, you know, at that point, he's got subbed off for Whelan, which is, you know, fair enough. And actually, nice mm. for him to get a little ovation because he had a really good game. Mm. Um but yeah, the four-goal lead was restored, wasn't it? A few mm. minutes later. And yeah, Barrow's defence caught out by a simple but free ball, wasn't it? Um, Moxon does it. I mean, actually, to be fair, I think, was it you or someone else gave Dennis a bit of credit? Because he actually hassles the defenders a bit, doesn't he, first? Mm. And the ball comes to Moxon and he plays it a perfectly weighted again, free ball for Gordon. And I I wonder how long it's going to take defences to cotton on that he's very quick. Yeah. And, get, and can actually carry the ball really well. Yeah, He gets away, he gets into the box. Again, may, maybe takes one or two extra touches that he probably shouldn't have done mm. on this one. Yeah, but it, does it, maybe, well. it maybe could have buried it, but yeah, he, he won the penalty fair and yeah. square. Yeah. You know, even though the Barrow Twitter said he dived. but It's not a dive, but what, what he does is he, he, he knocks the ball to the side, but keeps his run going straight, which, you know, he's entitled to do. Mm. Farman's the one who comes out and clatters him. Farman mm. doesn't have to come out and do that. No. And uh, and yeah, as a result, we get the penalty. It was only ever going to be Christian Dennis to take it, wasn't it? Um, yeah. and we spotted Jamie Devitt, had a little quiet word with him before the penalty. Obviously, he's a mm. former teammate of Farman's mm. from his time at Barrow. Um, and he stepped up and buried it, didn't he? Yeah. Uh, to take him uh, clear at the top of the goal-scoring charts. So, uh, yeah, which is pleasing me, because obviously, as I've mentioned before, I've got a little bet on Christian to be top goal-scorer in the division this season. They also had a bet in this game, which was... Coming off, wasn't it? Until we conceded. <laughs> yeah. Literally, I was looking at him thinking, I could have cashed out for 70-odd quid. I was thinking, oh, should I? And I was saying to you lot, and they were like, they were like I think Greg said, ah, ride it out, ride it out. So I did, and then Barrow went and scored, because one of the parts of it was both teams had scored no. So yeah. thanks for that, Greg. Um, 
But there you go. So that, that, that that's the game wrapped up pretty much. Um, should we do the six second reviews before we talk about some of the talking points? Yeah, cool. So first up, we've got uh, uh, Daniel from um, Curric. He, he sent us in a, a review. Sunk like the Titanic. <laughs> Pete Wilde's saltiness and his Barrow FC team. An absolutely fantastic night under the Brunton Park floodlights. Nine, nearly nine and a half thousand in. You know, there's, there's, there's no greater sight in football for me than an absolutely bouncing Brunton Park when we're winning in those early winter months under the lights. Uh, first half, I thought we, we probably shaded the first half. Uh, had, certainly had the better chances for me, uh, apart from that cross-come shot of theirs. Uh, John Mellish popped up with a goal. Great time to score. And then second half, we, we scored really early and then we just took complete control, didn't we? Absolutely fantastic. You know, tens all round. Joe Garner scoring, Mellish getting another, Dennis coming on. Just the whole the whole performance was fantastic. Let's have more of it and let's get out this division. There you go. So obviously that was Dan, one of the, uh, our other co-hosts. Obviously uh, he's not able to record this week, so he sent in his six-second review. And uh, interesting that he thought that we shaded the first half because we were, we were obviously in disagreement that we felt mm. Barrow maybe shaded it, but maybe we are taking a slightly negative review there because as Dan said... We did have the best chances of the half, to be fair. Yeah, I think we edged it for chances, but I just yeah. feel that Barrow edged it maybe for possession or in... As an away side, they kept it very tight and they must yeah. have been quite happy and thinking, yeah, if you know, if, if Menish doesn't score, they get to half-time thinking, nil-nil, brilliant. We've done our bit for now, let's have a go at them second half. That's probably what they would have said. Mm. Goals change games there, don't they? So there you go. Yep. Um, right, uh, let's hear from Regan. He sent us in one as well. So this is Regan's uh, six-second review. Right, this might be a little bit more than 60 seconds, so forgive us. Um, <laughs> what night of Brunton. The place was absolutely bouncing. Um, it's the best atmosphere I've seen at Brunton Park in a long, long time. Massive credit to the lads in the Warwick for that, because what they're doing is unbelievable. Like, um, Everybody just needs to back them. It looks like the city's back in similar now. That turnout on a Tuesday night is ridiculous, especially at this level. Um, the first half, you know, not much to write home about, but about time we had a bit of luck and somebody actually said to us that it was the official from the Orient game as well so maybe he's trying to write a few wrongs but you take it because we needed it and the second half we've just absolutely blown them away um, Moxon ran the show once again he just keeps getting better and better it's ridiculous to be honest um, I said to me mate at 3-0 we could put 5 past these and I was hoping it was going to be 5-0 just for the pure embarrassment for them lot but you know, you've got to give them a little sum at Ben Barkley, making it an easy journey home for them barrel lot. But yeah, fantastic day. And as always, shag is shag, and it's as simple as that. <laughs> that's, what, that's what we're waiting for. He did send me a little extra bit, so I'm going to have to play that as well. One sec. Oh, I forgot, I forgot two things as well. So went out in town after, and Lloyd was absolutely bouncing. Like there was folks singing Carlisle songs and everything. It was mint to see. I've never seen the city like this when it comes to Carlisle. So long may continue. And of course, up the blues. Yep, there you go. So that was the little bit you wanted to add in. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, well, let's let's get straight onto it. Talk about the crowd. Mm. Brilliant to have such a big crowd, but the atmosphere created as well. On do you have a big crowd? And then it, you know, we've you've seen with like the the ten k for MK campaign a few years ago. I wasn't at the game. I remember people saying that the the, the crowd was quite flat. Obviously, they scored mm. early, which killed that a little bit, I suppose, in that game. But it's kind of like there's a feeling of like. The crowd were behind them from the start, and even with a shaky first half for most of it, they really got behind them. And, and 
what those lads in the Warwick Road end. And it's the young lads themselves. They're taking all the initiative. They're doing it. Mm. It's fantastic, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. It really is. And I think the extra people who turned up to Brunton Park, maybe for, for the first time, maybe they haven't been in a while or whatever, I think they would have most certainly been entertained and they'll want to come back again. Yeah. And yeah, that's all you can ask for, isn't it? Yeah. I think there's every chance we can get over 6,000 for the Harrogate game. I really do think there yeah. is. And it, it's it's going to be tough because not everyone will be able to come back and stuff. You've got to be realistic with that. We're not going to get another 9,000 crowd. And no. don't complain when it drops down like three or 4K or something. Yeah. That's just reality uh, of life. And and the thing as well, you know, you mentioned the 10K for MK and all that stuff. Mm. I mean, for, for, for this game, there wasn't really much marketing. You no. know, the, the sort of, I think the fans marketed the game, you know, just creating a, a buzz and it's really sort of organic yeah. and people just people just want to come down and watch us and yeah. the club doesn't have to market that you know yeah. if uh, if the team's playing the way that they are yeah and it, and it's it's great to see like this um you know like I said the Warwick Road and lads the the young kids in there I, I, I'm a little bit jealous of them because I'm too old to be in there doing <laughs> crowd surfing and stuff. I mean, crowd surfing, God, they're off the nut. Um, yeah. Doing, you know, stuff like that and, you know, and being involved in, in mosh pits. I've done enough of those at gigs in my day. And I, <laughs> I, I certainly, I don't think my knees on my heart will cope with it these days. Mm. But um, but it's brilliant to see them doing so much stuff. And and full credit, I've give, give a bit of credit to Cumbria Police as well. They, they've contacted them early and said, look, you know, we want to help you. If you want to do these marches, let's do them properly. Let's mm. do anything silly. Don't do any banging on cars and and things like that. And uh, it's, mm. it looks like they learned the lesson with this one, and mm. they didn't do anything silly walking mm. down. Yes, the smoke bombs being thrown on. We don't want to do that, of course. But it, it's it's not the end of the world. That's one smoke bomb coming on. Yeah. It, it's 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 certainly not a firework. Let's say that. Yeah, um, I mean, what was embarrassing with that smoke bomb is there was a steward stood about ten yards away from it, but. Seemingly, he doesn't have the MVQ in removing smoke bombs <laughs> from football pitches, like, so they ridiculous. had to get a steward from like the other end of the ground oh, was, to come on. And yeah, Thomas Hardy was stood there like, "Come on, can we just sort this? Can someone just yeah. come and get this, please? I want to play." Yeah. yeah, but there you go. Yeah, that that full credit, I and mean, the, the atmosphere is brilliant. And honestly, those lads keep it up, and, and you know what? Enjoy it, really enjoy it, because you know what? It's not going to be like this all the time. Mm. We, we we know from sad experience, really, that. There will be bad times in the future, yeah. but hey, you know it, it's it's yeah, it's it, enjoy it right now and and let's keep getting behind them. Um, yeah. Let's talk about the game then. I mean, the, as we mentioned before, Mike, the conditions for this were appalling, weren't they? Mm. Like first half. I mean, I don't know if he did it justice on the eye follow for those who were watching at home, but the gale that was blown was it like it was just ridiculous, wasn't it? You could see the flags behind the goal and the corner flags were bending over, weren't they, towards yeah. the waterworks end? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the rain as well was relentless for most of the match, wasn't it? Yeah, well, I'm glad we got our spot in the paddock uh, sort of <laughs> near the back and under the roof uh, early because uh, I think, yeah, a few people wanted it when... Uh... Well, we got some prime real estate, didn't we? We actually got a bit of push barrier, which is a rare <laughs> sight for us these days because we arrive that late into the ground normally, but there you go. Yeah. Um, let's talk about some player performances then. I mean, um, we've already touched on Ben Barker before, but I mean, he's shown once again he's going to be a very useful you know, addition in the running, isn't he? Basically, he's going to be somebody who can really make a difference in in some of those games. I think it's fair. To yeah, say. definitely, definitely. And someone, I genuinely, I think in the summer, if the if the wages are right and we can sort a deal, I, I wouldn't be against us going for him permanently. I, I genuinely, mm. I think there's a. I think he's been very unlucky with the injuries he's had. It's not like an injury prone player who's constantly pulling a hamstring or something. Yeah, it's two separate ankle injuries on different legs. It's you know that's mm. just bad luck. That, um, John Mellish. Let's mention him. What a guy. 
what a guy. Yeah. I mean, you know, we have to give him his, his regular shout out that we always do in this uh, pod that <laughs> we know does annoy a few listeners. But uh, I mean, once again, he showed he's easy at adapting to a new role in the team. And he doesn't, because some players, when you say to them in mid game, right, you're going to have to move into here or there. They struggle a bit and they find time, they have to, they have to settle themselves. Yeah. It's certainly not the case with him, is it? No, exactly. And he caused them so many problems. Um, you know, obviously he got the two goals, but he could have had a couple more, to be honest. Um, yeah. And he's probably annoyed at himself that he didn't get a hat-trick. Uh, but, yeah, what a play. Just It's not the first time, and it's probably not the last time that moving him in into midfield just completely changes the game. Yeah. I mean, Simo did say he wasn't fussed. Unlike Dennis and, you know, the couple of times this season when mm. he subbed him when he's been on a hat-trick, he said with Johnson, I wasn't fussed, he got booked. I don't want him, anything silly happening with him. Yeah. Let's, let's give him a chance. And actually, we should say, if anyone who doesn't follow her already, uh, John Malish's mum is on Twitter. Um, and she's she's brilliant. She's the the archetypal embarrassing mum, isn't she? The stuff she tweets <laughs> him. Never gives him credit for him, but she even said on this one, I'll give him, give him credit, because it turns out that John's dad had actually been in hospital for a couple of days before this game with some heart issues. And mm. John hadn't even been able to go visit him, I don't think. And, you know, got his boots on, played, you know, Put his heart on his sleeve as he always does. Brilliant stuff. What, a, yeah. what a genuinely grown into probably one of my maybe not quite all time favourite Carl United players, but you know, in the last decade or so, definitely. Up a, well, up I, I was thinking for me when we're to do sort of my all time eleven episode, he could well be in the squad. Just oh, putting out that. Like, I'm with you. I'm 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 mm. I'm getting close now because he. It's just the way he plays. He plays with his heart on his sleeve. And, yeah. But it, it, nothing fazes him. Nothing fazes him. And it's, it's fantastic mm. to see it really is. Uh, we've mentioned already, haven't we? Moxon taking the piss. We don't really mention, need to mention anymore. <laughs> we talked enough about that. Joe mm. Garner, you know, very much back, isn't he? You know, he's, yeah. he's first start in the blue shirt for just over 10 years. His first goal in that time as well. Um, he was just a nuisance to George Ray from from start to finish, wasn't he? It was really winding people yeah. up as well, which was lovely to see. Yeah. Um, He's just going to be a massive asset, isn't he? There's Definitely. always that concern about, oh, is he going to be fit enough? Is he going to be the same player? Is he going to, you know, he's 34 now, but he's, he's clever enough, isn't he? He knows what he's doing. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, he eventually got uh, their centre-back in the book. Uh, yeah. took, took, took them long enough, like. Um, yeah. But, like, somewhat as well, I noticed, like, one of their full-backs, like, scuffed a clearance and it went out for a throw-in. Yeah. And he's straight over with a snidey little comment with a grin on his face, you know, <laughs> trying to wind him up. Exactly. Um, and yeah, you, you know what you're going to get with him. Um, and, you know, I feel so sorry for Simo now trying to pick who to start because, tough, yeah, he's given him one hell of a headache. And there were maybe a little bit of con- of uh, concern when we signed him because he hasn't played a lot of football um, and how fit he'd be. But he looked as fit as a fiddle. He looked as yeah. fit as he did when he was 19 years old, just running yeah. around, hassling players. Kicking them yeah. all over the shop. Brilliant. Yeah, Absolutely brilliant. brilliant. Uh, quick mention against Jordan Gibson as well. Shined once again in both these games, playing on that number 10 role, nicking the ball over the shop, he, using the ball so well. He, he, he's got his mojo back, and that's what we want to see, isn't it? So hopefully yeah. keep it up to the rest of the season. And uh, just a quick mention before we, we wrap this bit up. Uh, mention to Pete Well getting put back in his box. Um, <laughs> nice and chippy before the game, wasn't he? You know, we want mm. Carlisle to come at us. We'll have a go at them. And in the end... Tom Shirley didn't have much to do, did he? And uh, no. after the game, he was a bit... Um, his, his comments were just... Because obviously, I went on Radio Cumbria uh, for the fans forum bit. Um, I started my bit and then said, oh, Pete Wilde is, we'll have to go to him. So they went to him. So I got to listen to it on the phone. And um, and yeah, the bit where he said about... Um, 
you know, we haven't been torn apart tonight. We haven't been torn open. It's been mistakes. That's all it's been mistakes that led to goals. <laughs> and when it came back to the thing and, you know, Paul Neaton was like, oh, you were talking about uh, Moxon. He's like, yeah, well, it was interesting listening to what uh, Pete Wells had to say there about uh, making uh, mistakes because clearly he wasn't watching the same game as me because Owen Moxon tore his team apart for most of the mm. second half. And, mm. and I think Simo's even actually, if, you, if anyone hasn't seen the pre-match interview with Simo for the Harrogate game, He's come out and basically had a go at him, hasn't he? And said he mm. hasn't named Wild by a person, but he said I've, I've seen some nonsense the other night about us not, you know, te- mm. taking teams apart or not cutting them open. Well, mm. you know, we've cut them open. We thought, yeah. You know, I have to say though, for anyone who hasn't seen it, the club put up the dugout cam footage, yes, um, of all the goals, and you can see Simo and you can see Pete Wild, and both of their reactions are just absolutely brilliant. For- for every goal, it's brilliant and interesting. I'm, I'm being a bit, little, a little bit facetious here because Wilde is clearly a very good coach. He did a brilliant job at Halifax on a low budget there. Undoubtedly, did a great job there. He's done a good job when he was at Oldham as well, you know. And he's, he's someone who's an up and coming coach. He's chipped off a little bit of their fans lately, and he's, you know, you see his reaction to all the goals. He was jumping up and down all over the touchline mm. during the game. You could see his reaction to the goals as they went in as well. I think he just needs to be a little bit less emotionally driven. Mm. I think he needs to learn not to react to every goal. I know it's a derby and you get into it, but I suspect it was the other way around and we conceded a couple of goals. Simo's not jumping around like a madman like that. Mm. He's he's thinking about, right, what do we do here? Mm. And I just get the impression he was so frustrated and so angry, he just wasn't thinking straight. And mm. maybe that's where he could improve his coach. Look at someone who's experienced like Simo who's been there, done that, and think, right, how's he reacting to this? What is he doing? Not, not that it really bothers me if Barrow do well or not. I couldn't really care less, but I just, mm. you know, just sort of raise it as a point. I, I think he's clearly a good coach, just... Needs to get that side of his game. Well, I think the the few Barrow fans that were still in the ground at full time, they were certainly giving him some choice words, weren't they? When uh, he went to sort of, uh, well, yeah, he went couple, to apologise, didn't he? Yeah, a couple of their players and coaches went over as well, mm. and they were certainly get, getting quite close, and it was quite animated, wasn't it? Um, mm. It was enjoyable for us. We passed their coach on the way back down the M6, and they <laughs> did not look happy. To be fair, but there you go. Uh, right, I think that wraps it up, mate. Doesn't it? I think we've covered mm-hmm. up the uh, the Barrow game, so we'll take another short break, and then we'll be back to. Uh, Preview the Harrogate game. This is John Mellish. You listen to the Brunt and Bugle. Okay, so we're into part three of this week's episode. A little bit different this week, isn't it, Mike? Uh, mixing up with two breaks. Um, and it's time for the Harrogate Town preview. Um, there isn't a behind enemy lines for this one, as is always the case with Harrogate. They don't appear to have any fans on the internet, so... <laughs> Um, we haven't got anyone to speak to, unfortunately. We will be back with it next week. We'll speak to the guys. Um, I can't remember which Will, Wimbledon podcast it was. We spoke to the two of them, but we'll speak to the same guys we spoke to last time, see how they're getting on. Because uh, probably fair to say their season's improved quite a bit, hasn't it, Mike, in terms of Wimbledon? Because when we played them back in September, wherever it was, they were struggling a bit, weren't they? And they were dropping down the table. And mm. now they're probably one of the contenders for the playoffs, especially with the the form they've shown to get themselves up there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Um, right. Before we actually look at the um, Harrogate Town game, then Dan has actually given us a question of the week to do. So here's Dan's question of the week. Pretty simple uh, question this week. Uh, not too many players have played for both Carlisle and Harrogate. The one who probably played the most for both teams is Mark Beck. So simple question is. Who did Mark Beck score his first goal for Carlisle against, and in what minute of the match was it? Ooh. Ooh, that is a good question. I have a feeling, I think I know this one, I think it's Ipswich Town in the League Cup. In that League Cup game? Yeah, I'm sure he... I think he made his debut, like, 
towards the end of the previous season. But his first goal was against Ipswich, and I think it might. I think the, it was late on, wasn't it? I think it might be the hundred nineteenth minute. I think it might have been the one that took yeah. his penalties or something like that. That's my guess. Well, I'll, I'll roll with 118th minute, so if it's oh, anything less than that, then I'm closer. Shit else. <laughs> right, uh, rather than wait and keep it going, because it's a nice short and simple question to make, let's see what the answer is to the question. And the answer is Ipswich Town mm. in the League Cup, and it was in the 90th minute to take oh. the game into extra time, where I think it was Dave Simonton scored the winner. Oh, well, there you go. For some reason, I thought we went to penalties in that game. You know what it was? It was Black. No, I think it did go to penalties, and I think Simonton scored the winning penalty. I'm uh, sure of it. Are you sure that wasn't against Blackburn in the the cup, like the season later or something like that? Oh, it could have been. Yeah, we <laughs> yeah. had two two good, really good wins against Championship sides, mm. didn't we, in the League Cup? Mm. I think a couple of years in a row. Well, actually, to be fair, those days under Greg, we used to get a lot of good results in the League Cups, didn't we? Mm. When you think yeah. back to it, we really did. Um, there you go. Right, let's look ahead to this weekend's game. Uh, Harrogate Town, the visit to Brunton Park uh, for a free call kickoff on Saturday, 4th of February. Uh, referee for this one, Robert Lewis from Shropshire. It's his 13th season as an EFL referee. He's taken charge of 21 games so far this season, handing out 74 yellows and one red card. Uh, last season, he handed out 98 yellows and three red cards in 31 games. So not too card happy compared against some of the other ones we've seen, is he? So a mm. uh, little bit more this season. He's handing out a few more than he has done, I think, in previous years, but there you go. Um, yeah, uh, the last time he took charge of the United game uh, goes back quite a bit, actually, back to the days of uh, behind closed August games in, in, during COVID. It was the 2 0 win over Crawley at Brunton Park in January, sorry, in March 2021. I think this it's one not a those... very memorable game, referee wise, that one, I don't think. So, no, that's no, not ma- a bad thing. no major incidents. Um, I think Joe Riley scored a goal, didn't he? Where it sort of bounced up over the keeper almost, didn't it? I think the, uh, the long range effort he scored in that game. Oh, yeah. I think Patrick maybe also scored in that game as well. I'm not 100%, but uh, yeah, I'd have to check that one. Head-to-head-wise, um, not great this one, is it, really? It's no. the seventh time we've faced them, and we've still not beaten them. We did say in the build-up that they were our bogey side. Um, it's interesting. Have you seen Simo's comments about this, uh, about no. bogey sides? He's done he, he a pre-match interview for the uh, for the game, and he's quite strong in it. He's like, I, I, I don't want to be hearing the word bogey side being used. I don't I don't believe in any of that sort of stuff. And he he said he he had a back in the day where the late uh, you know Dr. John Howarth, you know, was the uh, Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. And he said we must be the only club in the football league that has ninety two bogey side ninety one yeah. bogey sides. Yeah, he said like I think he said, look I, I can't be hearing that sort of stuff. I don't want the players hearing that stuff. Mm. Let's be positive and yeah we've got to be I mean we've got to be positive going to this one. I mean we both went to the game in um Back in when was it? Uh, was it November? Octoberish, Novemberish. Yeah. I think in November because it was originally the game was supposed to be played the weekend that the the Queen died, wasn't it? So mm. we pushed back uh, yeah, yeah. to uh, to November. Um, and yeah, I have to say that they're probably one of the better sides I think we've played this season from what I've seen of them. I don't know what you think, Mike, on that. Well, I think attacking-wise, they looked decent. Um, but they've lost a couple of players, haven't they? Lost a couple of the, the loanees. That le- that left wing-back kind of caused us a lot of problems that night. Um, and he's gone back. But defensively, they looked pretty sloppy, obviously. You know, conceded three. Yeah, late on especially, they they, they certainly started to switch off a bit, didn't they? They, 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 mm. they kept us... Fairly arm's length for a lot of the game, I think, and you know we we didn't have a huge amount of chances in this game. But yeah, you, you mentioned the lad, um, the lads from Huddersfield. So two, I think they've had three online from Huddersfield this season. 
two of them have gone back in January. So uh, Josh Osterfield, he's gone back and he's been sent out on loan to Morecambe now to take him up at a level. Uh, Jaheim Headley, he was the one. He had a brilliant game in the game against mm. us, didn't he? Um, he, he, he I, I don't think it's another statement to say he tore us apart at times with his play down the left. He, he was doing for them what John Mellish does for us, which is quite mm. ironic because basically... <laughs> John Mellish didn't play that game, did he? Was was he suspended no. for that one? Or was he injured? He's suspended, suspended yeah. yes. And um, and that made a big difference in that game, didn't it? Mm, yeah, definitely. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they how they get on uh, now. I mean, it doesn't look like they've had the best uh, transfer window so far. And for me, they could well be one of the two teams to go down. To be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm looking at, at their. Uh, unfortunately, I forgot to put it in, into the running order, Mike. So I'm going to send you the link over now while we're talking, looking at their January editions and that kind of thing. Um, yeah, it, it's. I don't know. I, I'm a bit mm, about what they've done. I mean, they've lost Headley. They've lost Osterfield. Uh, they've released Tyler Frost. I don't even know who he was to be honest. So I'm not not entirely <laughs> sure exactly what he's he's done. But um, but yeah, when you look the, at the additions, Toby Sims, not really one of them. Anthony O'Connor from Morecambe, maybe. Yeah, you can look at that. Mighty Folds from Bradford's got a bit of experience at this level, as has Tom Eastman. But it's the fact that Colchester are happy to send Eastman out alone when they're struggling near the bottom to a team to a, a team that's around them in the league. Yeah. It's kind of like... Ugh. And obviously they picked up Levi Sutton from Bradford, and I think the Bradford fans' attitude to him is a real hard worker, but does, doesn't have the quality. Mm. And they're starting to get to the situation now, Bradford, where, uh, Harrogate, where they, they're going to be picking up scraps from Bradford and probably not the good scraps either. That's the problem. So, mm, exactly. Yeah, they've obviously brought a few in on loan. Obviously, as I mentioned there, Eastman from Colchester, Folds from Bradford, and Kazim Olegabi. Olegabi? Olegabi. We'll go with that. Olegabi from, um, from Southampton. I've done it about four or five different ways there, haven't I? Uh, so <laughs> Olegabi from, from Southampton's coming on loan. I think he's a forward, so. Um, yeah, interesting to see how he gets on as well. I mean, I'm, yeah, look in terms of the play. They let Mark Beck go to something, didn't he? Who's now obviously moved to uh, Solihull Moors, hasn't he? So he's made mm. a bit of a step back up. Um, yeah, I, I, I didn't really think their summer work was particularly great, either, other than getting the lads in on over Huddersfield, and they're always going to benefit from that. They've clearly got a good relationship there. But I mean, Joe Matic's one you picked out, actually, wasn't it? I think in the summer is a good sign. Yeah, yeah. Because um, he's played most of his career at championship level. Um but he hasn't exactly set the world alight there. So I think I think because he, he he was a left back for years. I think he's moved uh, inside now, like a lot of uh, sort of full backs do when they uh, sort of get into the thirties. But yeah, they don't have a lot that I'd be too worried about. Obviously, uh, the big lad up front. What's his name? Oh, uh, ponytail. Uh, oh, um, Armstrong. Armstrong, yeah, yes. he, he he looks he he can always be a bit of a handful, um, yeah. but yeah, I mean, I was having a look before they've only kept four clean sheets all season, yeah. which uh, I think speaks volumes, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, you look in there, they've got obviously in terms of experience there. You mentioned Matic, but in in defence, I think Roy McArdle's one that stands out as experience, but he's mostly used as a sub these days, isn't he? I mean, I think yeah. he came on as a late sub against us, didn't he? And yeah. actually that was the point where we started to get a grip because they slowed down significantly and they, they struggled mm. a bit to, to deal with our sort of long balls forward. Um, 
Yeah, and I think Peter Jameson, the keeper, he's one that's quite well rated, isn't he? I think he did really well at York and they managed mm. to get him uh, last season. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. I look for this squad and I think in attack, they've got some good players there. Armstrong, you mentioned. I mean, Jack Muldoon is one that, you know, I think if he was a bit younger, other clubs would have come in for him by now, I think. It's only the fact that he's, what, is he 32, 33 now, I think, something like that? Mm. Jack Muldoon, I'm just going to check that. Um, yeah, I, I kind of feel like he he's one who's got yeah 33 years old he turns 34 in in may so you know he's not exactly a spring chicken anymore but he's still got a bit of pace on him he still gets about and yeah not basically harrogate the first team where he's really done something in the league i think he did a little bit of lincoln but mostly it's harrogate town he's played in the league for so yeah we've got to be targeting three points surely yeah surely uh five and- in a row yeah, and to be honest, I wouldn't mind us uh, boosting our goal difference in this game as well. You know, they're certainly there for the taking. Yeah. Uh, I think your, your point is spot on one about the fact they've only kept four clean sheets all season. That, yeah. that, that's the bit that stands out, isn't it? It makes you think, yeah, we can actually get something from this. So, so yeah, I, I, I look at it and think it's all right. We've, Simo, interestingly, in the pre-match thing, he said he, he's sick of us. Go, he said going to Harrogate and getting turned over there. He's only got experience of playing at Harrogate with us, hasn't he? Mm. But he knows the fact that pretty much every time we've played against them, we've not turned up, have we, essentially? In the yeah. And- well, I, I mean, for me, I said it at the time, Like their pitch is like quite short and it's, a, it's just an awkward pitch to play on. And I would have thought that their home record would be better because when we play them at their place, they just seem so much more adapted to their pitch. But, you know... At our pitch, in our ground, we can play the way we want to and hopefully, uh, yeah, we'll batter them. We should be able to take advantage of that. We really should. That that should be the aim, really. We should be looking right. We've got a nice, big, expansive pitch. Let's drag them all over it, basically. Let's not let them mm. try and compact the game. Let's, let's tire them out as much as we can, if, if anything, really, and, and, and get something from it. I mean, last time out, they played uh, Sutton United at uh, at Weatherby Road and um, their poor form continued. Um I think they made it five league games without a win. Um, oh, sorry, apologies. They have won a couple of games, but they've only won one of the last six. But yeah, they, they made it two defeats in a row. Um, they lost 1-0 against Sutton. Uh, David Atchiboy, who's gone back to Sutton on loan from Peterborough, he got the uh, only goal after eight minutes. I, I saw the highlights from this and it didn't really look like Harrogate threatened a massive amount. There's mm-hmm. one brilliant save from the Sutton keeper, actually, where the, the shot took a massive deflection and he just stretched to tip it over. Um but yeah, beyond that, I mean, I'm looking at looking at the team they put out. As I mentioned before, it's not really it doesn't put the fear of God into you, does it? Really, in that sense. And no, I'm, I'm looking here that Armstrong's really the only one. I mean, Muldoon's not even starting against him; he's on the bench, isn't he? So Armstrong's mm. the big threat, isn't he? And the fact that they keeping hold of him is probably a really massive positive for them, isn't it? I guess in terms of you know. Yeah keeping themselves uh, away from trouble but well I mean just yeah. just looking at some of their sort of previous results as well you know they they drew against Stevenish you know albeit at home but that's always a good result uh when you're fighting near the bottom but they drew against Hartlepool and you know we've seen how poor Hartlepool are mm. uh lost 3-1 against Colchester um and I think that was before Colchester had made a couple of their signings as well yeah um yeah, they're just... They're there yeah. for the taking, aren't they? But we don't want to get too definitely. cocky and arrogant because we know we've had bad performances against them in the past. And uh, yeah. yeah, Interesting, I saw got go back and mention in terms of their squad. Uh, I noticed that they've... Um, one of the players who mentioned this, I said I didn't really know much about him, was Toby Sims. I'm just looking here. 
what an interesting career he's had. He started out um, playing for uh, Mickelover Sports, which is a team in, uh, I think they're in Derbyshire, aren't they, near Derby? Um, mm. And then he moved to Greenville FC, which is, who play in the NPSL in a semi-professional league over in America. Then had time at South Carolina United, the Pittsburgh Riverhounds, terrific name for a football team. Right? He played in the USL, which is the level just before below the MLS. And now he's obviously moved to Harrogate, so he's moved back to England. So, uh, mm. yeah, on a six-month contract. So whether he'll, I don't know what what happened there for him in that sense. But um, but yeah, re- really, it's one of the. We just got to look at think We've just got to get at them early on and and destroy any confidence they've got because. They're not going to be back by a big following. We expect. I mean, I don't know how many they sold, but I, I, I'd be surprised if they break the two hundred barrier for this one. Yeah, and that, that, that's not. I was having a go at them. They're a small club that's really punched above the weight to get to where they are, basically. But um, yeah, yeah, you know, it, it's just kind of tragic, really. That you know, proper clubs who will bring more fans are struggling and. Well, yeah, but you know, it's, it's these new money clubs that, for me, don't add a lot to the football league. I, I, I kind of feel like Harrogate's what Harrogate, a club I kind of see sort of in between the sort of new money club and nice to see a different club in the league, basically. Because yes, they've had a bit of money put behind them, clearly, but they seem to be quite well run. They don't seem to be like it's not like they're sitting there and like they're they're a Salford that's throwing. Stupid amounts of money per week on players, you know, yeah. like your Hendersons and your McElhenney's and people like that to get them in. Yeah, you look at maybe, yeah, in fact, when you look through the squad, it's not packed with players who are going to be on 2k a week, is it really? No, I, th- I don't think they've got any particularly high earners anyway, but Armstrong's in terms, in terms of what they must have spent to get to the league, you know, because they haven't been able to do that on gate receipts. No, no, probably not. But at the same time, it, it's I, I'm I'm ambivalent about Harrogate in that in that way. There's some other clubs I'm a bit funny about who do that, and I'm just like, mm. but, but I'm, soft I'm just a bit of a like, football league snob, to be honest. You with are, you, so. you are indeed. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm a bit like, yeah, whatever. I'm just I'm fine with it, to be honest. Um, yes, right. Let's talk about United then, Mike. Um, we're going into this game top of the form table now. We shot right up there, just ahead of Colchester in the form table. Colchester, what what a January they've had as well. Mm. Fair play, they really turned things on. Um, United are first in the form table with a record of one loss and then four wins. Um, yeah, it, it's it's going to be interesting to see what he does with this one, isn't it, in terms of the team selection. What would you do? Yeah, well, I think he might go with Dennis and Gordon to start mm. in that they sort of had less time on the pitch against Barrow, so... They're probably a bit fresher uh, for this one. Um, it was hard work that Barrow game, wasn't it? You think with the conditions, it, it, that's going to take it out of the place, especially Patrick and Garner, who've not played much football of late as well. Yeah, and and Patrick and Garner both did a lot of running, like yeah. all through the game, and they really tired out the the Barrow defence. So, yeah, I think probably start Dennis and Gordon, um, mm-hmm. and and go with what we've been doing, you know more recently with sort of Gibson as a 10 and uh, you know like we were playing at the start of the season really yeah I think you don't want to get ahead of yourselves but if we, if we can get ourselves into a comfortable position like we did against Barrow hmm. it's probably going to be a good chance to give people like Jack Robinson a game because I think Simo hmm. interestingly made some comments about that hasn't he, he said basically he's, he's had to apologise to Jack because he said like there's been a couple of times where he's been close to bringing him on but the situation just hasn't allowed for it hmm. like, Tuesday night's a perfect example you know when the goal went in 
he probably wanted to throw Jack on to give him a couple of minutes at the very end. Mm. But then when the goal goes in and Barkley's clearly struggling with cramp, he's like, I'm going to have to bring Corey on here because and I don't want... And he didn't want to bring two subs on because it looks then like he's thrown a bit yeah, of yeah. a hissy fit in terms of, oh, they've, they've let a goal in. I'm not happy about that. I'm going to make two subs. But that mm. wasn't the situation. It was just, I need to get Ben off because he's struggling with cramp because he's not played in so long. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, th- I think Senior will be back in. Yeah, uh, I, I right wing back, back certainly. Interesting to see whether Barkley drops all the way out of the, the squad or he, he comes onto the bench and maybe Whelan drops out. Oh, there's a tweak there. I don't know. It'd be interesting to see what he does with that. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting because obviously if he's coming off with cramp, he might still be a little bit stiff now. And yeah. sometimes with subs, you know, you have to think if a player gets injured in the first minute, can I bring him on to play 89 minutes? And yeah. if he's not quite up to doing that maybe leave him out well because Barkley hasn't had a reserve game either because obviously the Workington Cup game was mm. put back wasn't it so I, I do wonder maybe yeah if he will drop out the squad and it's not a case of you've any issue with you it's just like you only had your first game back let's take it easier in the similar the way what they've done with senior basically take him out the front line yeah. so, especially when you've had an ankle injury like that as well you don't want to be pushing it too, too uh, especially when we've got Whelan who can go on the bench and yeah. uh, Robinson as well you know yeah yeah um, Simu has said that it looks like Jack Ellis won't feature this weekend there was talk he might be fit enough to come back but it looks like he's Wimbledon or maybe Mansfield the earliest to be available that said where do you fit him in at the moment you wouldn't drop mm. Whelan's reliable on the bench so you probably wouldn't drop him he's probably going to have to just wait his turn isn't he he might he might find himself not in the match day squad for a while possibly yeah uh, maybe or sort of rotate him in and out with senior as seniors getting fit again Um yeah, but yeah, I think you're right. I think he might struggle to get in the in the match day squad, which, which is no slight on him. It's just a case of mm. that. That's that's what happens when you've got such a good good squad, really, doesn't it? I mean, I yeah. think back to like the season you know, we won the League Two title and similar last time, and David Baharrell mm. suddenly found himself out of the squad and just couldn't get back in, could he? he you know, well, I, I I thought he was crap though, to be honest. Oh with no, you. I, I did think he was crap, but you know what I mean. I, I felt well. I don't think he was crap. I just think we played him as a right back, which always baffled me because he was a centre back his whole career. It was a really strange yeah. thing that. But there you go. But yeah, it kind of felt like you know he, as soon as he lost his place to Anderson, he just couldn't get it back. Could he? He couldn't even get in the squad at times. So no, so yeah, exactly. It does make a difference. Um, I agree with you. I think Senior will be back for this one. I think I think he'll he'll bring him back in nice, nice and refreshed. Chance to have a go at. Another team sort of down near the bottom of the table and getting ready for the Wimbledon game next week as well. Um, yeah, but other than that, I mean, I mean, the back five take away the right wing back issue at the moment picks itself, doesn't it? Really, and yeah. the goalkeeper as well. Obviously, they're, they're well, just, you say the back five, but the back <coughs> five plus the midfield three. To be honest with you, yeah, yeah and yeah. it's just the strikers that uh, you know are, are more rotatable. And again, you feel sorry for Alfie McCallman because mm. he's sort of, he's come in and you know, I think I'll get some game time and. And Simmons, you have to, and I'm sure he understands. He said, "Look, we're playing well. I can't bring him in, mm. but you'll get a chance at some point because people will pick up Knox before the end of the season." Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, touch what it will be like Owen Moxon or something like that because mm. you know, he's, he's so vital to how we play. But you know, there's, there's going to be chances for players to come in, and it was nice to see Devitt even getting a few minutes at the end of the game against Barrow because I think he did say, didn't he? he said potentially he would have used Devitt in that game against um, Rochdale, but I think. The pitch and the state of it, I think he thought probably not a good game for him to, to feature, is it? So yeah, so yeah, it's it's, it's nice to see. Well, it, it's good that we've got the luxury of being able to manage Devitt a little bit more, whereas like last season we yeah. had to play him. Those you first know, games, we needed experience, didn't we? Basically, yeah, absolutely. Um, in terms of injuries, wise, obviously we mentioned Ellis. Hope he'll be back in the next week or two. But then beyond that, Finn backs maybe 
probably two months or so away now, I think, from coming back, I think. Mm. Um, Edmondson's seven weeks and Charter's seven weeks now, so, you know, getting closer with... I mean, having... It's mad to think, isn't it? You know, we we look at him and say, oh, the, the bench looks really strong now and, like, the, the eleven's strong. And yet we've got Charters, who was, you know, pretty much ever-present from when he got into the team, wasn't he, at that mm. point? Yeah. We've yeah. got Edmondson, who, again, was getting himself ever-present until he got injured. Mm. Finn Back, who's, who's, you know, couldn't... Yeah, other than the couple of knocks he had, was never out of the team, was mm. he? So, well, well, as well, I mean, Simo seemed to allude that Brennan Dickinson could actually be back, like for maybe the last couple of weeks of the season yeah. as well. Yeah, which would be, you know, whether he'd feature or not, I don't know because I had to, you don't want to really risk a player like unless you've maybe won the title already or you know won one promotion or something like that. I'm getting yeah. ahead of myself there, but you know, you could potentially bring him in and give him a, a few minutes at least before the end of the season. I, a, I do half think in the summer Simo might do with him what he did to Jamie Devitt this summer, where he says you're not you're not released, you know, you just come back to pre-season and we'll see where we go from there. Yeah, yeah. I wonder, I wonder if they might do that and say, look, we'll give you a chance to show preview fitness and because. Because Dickinson's one of those ones who I know a lot of our fans aren't massive fans of him, but he's he's played most of his career at a higher level than League Two. He's played at League mm-hmm. One, so he's a player who's capable at League One. And I I kind of feel like visibility on the ball, he'd actually be quite a useful player to have in League One if we went I, up. I'm getting ahead of myself again here, but you know. Well, I, I felt going into this season that playing at left wing back could have been the making of him for yeah. Carlisle, and well, you know, played, sadly, his whole career he's played there. Basically, he's not played yeah, as a, yeah. a, a winger or anything, and. You know, he's played in centre midfield. For us. He's never really had run in his best position for us, mm. if we're exactly. honest. But then, uh, you know, what chance would he have of keeping Jack Armour on the team at the moment? I'd say pretty much none, because he's yeah, been exactly. brilliant. This he's genuinely. There was, uh, yeah, I, I saw there's a there's a lad who's a uh, Stevenage fan. Um, you probably saw it. Um, I can't remember what his name is. His surname's Donnelly. Uh, he, he tweeted his League Two team of the season. And he put Owen Moxon and Christian Dennis in there. And actually, you know what? When you look through the team, he didn't actually put that much Steve in. He put Steve Evans as the manager, which I'll, I'll totally accept. You know, <laughs> uh, you know, as much as you don't like him, the job he's done yeah. there is quite incredible because he's not spent a fortune or anything, has he? He just put together mm. a really good squad and got them going really well. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to find what his name is here because I want to be able to share it with everyone so they can see it. Go for all my tweets now to try and find this. But yeah, he put that in, and I said to him. Yeah, it's a fair lineup. I'm obviously biased, but the only other two I'd put in for us maybe would be Mellish and Armour. Yeah, both mm-hmm. in contention and arguably even Stevenage just like Feeney and Huntington were in contention. Reese Donnelly. R W E C E Donnelly. So Reese uh-huh. D Spot. If you go and have a look at stuff, he's Stevenage fan. He he does a bit of you know, median reporting and stuff like that. So he's he, he's very fair. I'm looking through here. He's, he's um how many Stevenage players has he put in? I think he's only put Pierre Gianni and that's it, I think. Yeah, he's only put one uh, Stevenage player in. Oh, fair so, so that's fair. And two Carlisle players in and two yeah. uh, Orient players. So, so yeah, that, that, that's pretty fair for him. Um, yeah, so it, it's it's one of those things. That we, the injury thing's not as much of an issue now. And it's notable the fact that the injury, with the injury list all dying down, we're hitting a really strong patch of form, aren't we? Yeah, definitely. And and like with, with Devitt, you know, these players coming back from injury, we have the luxury of being able to manage them and give them a little bit of game time and ease them into it. Whereas last season, we were just having to give them 90 minutes in that. And indeed, earlier this season, you know, we we're having to play players for 90 minutes because there was that many injuries. Yeah. And then I think that exacerbated our injury crisis. Um, but yeah, it's uh, as of right now, I mean, 
we're going to have to leave someone out of the match day squad who is probably a good player. You know, yeah, it's exactly. that's what a, what a position to be in. Yeah, it's 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 a, it's a quite the luxury, isn't it? I suppose. Mm. I mean, I mean, even at the moment, you know, Jaden Harris, who's you know been solid enough when he's come on in games, he's on to wait his time. And I suspect mm. once maybe once Charles gets fit. You might send him out for the rest of the season on loan to a national league club, just say just to get him some game time and say, yeah. you know, go maybe a team that's pushing for promotion who needs an extra body in there. Send him out there where mm. he's going to maybe feature a bit and get a good bit of experience, possibly. Um, mm. Once you've got those players fit, um, right? But before we do predictions, I mean, just just a quick look ahead here, Mike, to uh, the rest of uh, the month, basically, and, and and the games we've got in February. I'm going to send them over to you now quickly and on WhatsApp so you can actually read them while I'm doing this. Um, yeah, just wanted to sort of get your thoughts in terms of this run of games we've got. Because, I mean, a lot of people are talking about the fact if you go into, I think, into April, is it? I think when you look at April, we've got Orient away, uh, Walsall away, Northampton at home, Stockport at home, Barrow away, and Salford at home in that month. It, it's people saying, oh, that's horrendous. We've got no, fans of opposition clubs saying, oh, oh, don't fancy that run Carlisle got at the end of the season. I think to myself, if I'm all those clubs, I'm thinking I don't fancy playing Carlisle <laughs> at the yeah, moment. The way we're playing, exactly. we've got nothing to fear in that sense. So, obviously, people are thinking it's an easier run at the moment. Although, be it, you know, I think there's some tough games in there. You know, Wimbledon away, they're they're in decent form. Mansfield mm. at home, who you know, are just about keeping themselves in the playoff fight. I think you know, on and off form mm. for them. Colchester, what a turnaround they've had! And I mean, they could yeah. easily finish top half, to be honest. Crawley <laughs> going to be fighting for their lives. You never really, you no idea what's going to happen there. Well, yeah. what, what are you thinking about this month? Yeah, well, it's good for me that we've only got one Tuesday night game. So, yeah. you know, the players will have generally quite a bit of rest between games uh, and they'll be, they'll be, they'll be fresh. Um, I mean, there's not a lot in the way of easy games in this league. You know, it's easy to sort of look down on Crawley. But like you say, they'll be, they will be fighting for their lives. And yeah. we saw at Rochdale, you know, that wasn't uh, an easy bank of 5-0 win, was it? So... Yeah, um, it's not going to be easy, but I, I see no reason why we can't get 12, 15 points from the five games. You're going, you're going for five wins, potentially. Well, potentially, yeah. I mean, the, the way we're playing right now, why can't we? No, that's, it's, just, it's fair enough. I mean, that would, if I'm right, would give us a club record set of results because mm. the record uh, for the straight wins, I think... Is seven. I think that was settled the simmer, wasn't it, in that season when we won the League Two title? Where and I think seven obviously would take us up to the Mansfield game. So the Colchester game, eight, will be the one that would set a new record potentially if we did that. Mm. I, 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 the one, when I look at the results that the games there, the, the two that stand out are Mansfield and Wimbledon. Wimbledon, like I said, they're, they've not quite. I think the forms dropped off a slight bit in the last few games, but they've done incredibly well to get themselves up and, and in contention for a playoff place and. They might be that team that sneaks into like seventh place potentially, or just on a run of form mm. that they've done. They have lost the lad who's gone to the uh, the, the like Saudi or Qatari club. I can't remember which one it is. Um, the little fellow who quite looked quite impressive against us in the the home fixture. They've lost him. They've lost a couple of others, but they, they also they've had Armani Little, I think, from um, from uh, Forest Green Rovers. He's a decent addition man midfield. So that'll be a tough game. The Mansfield game is the one I always stands out for me. I don't know why, just. I, they are very hit and miss Mansfield this season, but I, I kind of feel to me like that might be a draw. The rest See, of them, for I think me, we can win. But for me, I I don't fear anyone at home. Mm. Um, but the one 
of them that I'm sort of eyeballing is Colchester. Because like yeah. you said before, their form yeah. this month has been very good and they've really turned a corner. And I, I almost think that they'll come to Brunton Park and think like, do you know what? Like no one's expecting us to get a result. Let's just give it a go and see what happens. And that's quite nerve wracking from our point of view. I do wonder if they get a couple more results. They, I mean, at the moment, they're nine points clear of uh, Gillingham, who are in the second bottom place. Although I'd probably argue Hartlepool's the one to look at because Gillingham have got two games in hand on Hartlepool are a point ahead of them. Um, so the eight points clear of Hartlepool, let's say, having played two games less. Uh, so they played played a game more. Sorry, they played the most. Actually, I didn't even notice that. Um, yeah, I would think get a couple more results. I'm not saying they're going to ease off a bit, but we saw when we got a few good results and got pulled ourselves away. We mm. then had a few games where we went a bit iffy, didn't we? Where we, we, we yeah, true. got clear. So I do wonder if that might happen with them, which is what I'm kind of hoping, but mm. it'll be our luck that they'll get a couple of draws and they'll come and then have a good go at us. But, but there you go. Um, right, well, let, let's get on to the uh, predictions then, Mike. Uh, you can go first. And what, what, where are you going for this one? Uh, so I'm going to go 3-0, and I reckon Dennis will score twice and Patrick will score one. Okay. Uh, let's have Dan's prediction before I do mine. I'm going to go for 4-0 this week. Uh, Christian Dennis is going to score. Uh, John Kaimani Gordon. Joe Garner. And Owen Moxon's due one. There you go. He's going for 4-0. Annoyingly, that's the score I'm going for as well. 4-0. So a 4-0 win. Um, I'm going to go for Dennis as well because there's no way I'm getting left behind if he scores. <laughs> um, who else are we going to go for? Jordan Gibson. He's due a goal. Um uh, da, 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 da. Uh, Paul Huntington, he hasn't had one for a while, so Paul Huntington will get one. And the other goal, Joe Garner coming on as a sub, he'll get his second goal of his spell back with us. Um, in, interestingly, um, how, what's the table looking like, Mike, in terms of predictions? Uh, yeah, so, I mean, despite Dan's 8 0 prediction, which, Incredible. you know, during the game, I was, ge- I was really? genuinely concerned that was going to happen. <laughs> I was as well. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so Dan is on 20, you're on 19, and I'm struggling at the back on 14. Yeah, it's, it's interesting this, because um, despite the fact that he predicted that high score, he only got one extra scorer, didn't he, in the uh, yeah, in the game? Yeah, basically. Pretty much Garner, all, all think, of his possibly. goal scorers. Yeah, I think he only predicted uh, Garner and Dennis to score. Oh, there you go. So, there you go. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Um, right, uh, let's uh, have a look at the X-Files then. Um, not a massively busy one, and surprisingly as well, considering it was deadline day. There wasn't a massive amount of um, movement from X-Blues, was there, Mike? Um, no. First up, goals and cards. Um, James Tavernier, as happens every couple of weeks, scored a penalty for Rangers in their 2-0 home win over St. Johnston. Cole Stockton, he's getting a couple of goals now. He's back in a little bit of form. Um he scored for Morecambe in their 5-1 win over Bristol Rovers. Mm. That was a shot. I couldn't believe it when I saw it because Bristol Rovers are pushing up to the top half towards the playoffs, aren't they, in League One? Yeah. So, well, I think Stock- Stockton wants a move in the summer, I think. So he's well, he's out of contract, isn't he, I think. Yeah. I, think they've, I think they've messed up Morecambe. I mean, if he keeps them up, I suppose they'll argue we haven't messed up at the end of the day. Mm. We've done what we needed to do. But they probably could have made quite a tiny profit on him if they'd sold him yeah. last summer, maybe. But there you go. That, that happens sometimes. Ryan Bowman, he scored a 98th minute winner for Shrewsbury Town in their 2-1 victory over Forest Green Rovers. That was Duncan Ferguson's first game in charge of Forest Green. They were 1-0 up and I think the first Shrewsbury goal came on 90 plus 4 and the second came on 90 plus 8. 
That's I wouldn't have liked to be in that forest green dress. My God, you were not, time. would you? You, you, I, 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 you know what? I, I'd have snuck out around with one of the gates with the fans and just hopped in a car and gone home and never, you know. As we said before about assumed identity stuff, I would have been doing <laughs> yeah. that. I would have been going yeah. to witness protection, probably. <laughs> um, Tom Anderson, uh, he scored, but it was at the wrong end. An own goal for Doncaster after just, I think, 30 seconds in their 4-1 home defeat. Uh, sorry, 4-1 defeat at Mansfield Town. Uh, only a few days after being named as their new captain, replacing Adam Clayton. So uh, not not a great uh, day for Tom there. Uh, here's a name we haven't had for a while, isn't it, Mike? Hmm. Kelvin Langmead. He <laughs> scored twice for Banbury United in their 3-2 win at Hereford United in the National League North. 37-year-old, still playing. Plays as a centre-back these days, of course. You know, he got converted. Uh, I think he was at Northampton Town or Shrewsbury, wasn't he? In fact, I think it might have been Simo who converted him from a... Uh, Striker to a centre back when he was at Shrewsbury. Yeah. Not 100% on that one, but I'm fairly sure mm. he was there around about the same time. So, uh, Well, he converted Simon Grant from centre back to centre forward, didn't he? Yeah, so? for a short while, yeah. That was a <laughs> sub. Um, there you go. David Simonton, I mean, his form since he got married at Christmas is incredible, isn't it? Uh, he continued mm. his great run for Workington as they scored in their 3 0 win over Newcastle Town. They're really pushing at the top to try and keep in touch with Macclesfield, aren't they? Who. Uh, also, we know Macclesfield has spent a fair bit of money for their yeah. level, I think it's fair to say. Been through three managers this season as well, with uh, Robbie Savage as the, uh, I don't know what his role there, sporting director or something like that, isn't he, I think? Something yeah. like that, yeah. Yeah. Um, Kieran Kerr, he scored his first goal of the season for Carlisle City in their 2-2 draw at CM Red Star. And finally, Callum Higginbotham scored for Kelty Hart in their 3-3 draw at Montrose. Uh, On to the other news in terms of X-Files. A uh, couple of bits of contract news. Macaulay Gillespie. He's extended his stay at Plymouth by uh, signing a new contract that will keep him at the club until the summer of 2025. He's having a great time there, isn't he? Yeah. Since coming back from Australia. He's, he's one of those ones, I think we've said before, haven't we, that we've never really used him properly. And I kind of feel like he got disillusioned when he was with us because he wasn't being played as a centre-back. He wasn't being used in the way we should have used him. Yeah, I, I never really rated him as a left-back. Uh, yeah. But I, th- I think that left centre-back role where John Mellish is, I think... It'd be ideal. Maybe not so much the yeah. bombing forward side of it, but his yeah, ability, yeah. ability on the ball, he clearly had a lot of ability in terms of his passing. Yeah, he, he can so. ping a ball about, can't he? Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, good, good for him. Mangus Norman, uh, he's extended his deal with Oldham until the summer of 2025 as well. He, I'm, I'm really pleased with him because he knocked back the deal from us in the summer, didn't he? He got offered a new deal mm. and turned it down. And I think he's... Fair play, I think he's done absolutely the right thing because the chances are we would have still signed Thomas Holy and he probably still would have been second choice goalkeeper for us yeah and having to buy his time while we developed him possibly and I think he's probably done the right thing for his career dropping down a level and getting mm. regular football because I've seen some of the clips this season he's making great saves for them and absolutely the right thing and Oldham clearly think they've got a decent keeper there because they've extended his deal for another two years so good luck to Magnus uh, and three bits of transfer news um, Jack Marriott he's, uh, he's been brought into Fleetwood Town on a permanent deal from Peterborough United for an undisclosed fee, so he's one of the people replacing Joe Garner. Yeah, so I think they signed was it Jaden Stockley as well? I think from Charlton, possibly, or someone I'm like not that. Sure. I think. So that's two good signings to bring in, isn't it? Obviously, Jed Garner's mm-hmm. left them to go to Barrow as well. So, uh, so there you go. Uh, Mitchell Roberts, he's uh, teamed up with Mark Beck at Solihull Moors on loan from Birmingham City for the rest of the season. And finally, this one sort of emerged before the game the other night, didn't it? Connor Brown is uh, left Barrow by mutual consent. I think. He wasn't really playing much football this season, wasn't he? I think as much as he is a good person to have around the dressing room, his deal was up in the summer. I mean, the mm-hmm. feeling was he wanted to go and find himself a club and get regular football. And 
rather than wait to try and get someone at the last minute, cancelling his deal gives him a bit more time to find somewhere, doesn't it? So Yeah. So there you go. And uh, I think that's it. I don't think I missed anything there in terms of transfers and stuff like that. I had a look through our list and there was nothing there, I think. Yeah, I think that's it. Good stuff. Uh, in fact, while, while we're talking, Dan has literally just sent something into the group and it's a photo, which means usually it's something in terms of transfer news, but... Uh, uh, da, da, da. No, it's nothing to do with that, right? We won't talk about that. <laughs> no, I've just seen what it is, Michael. Let's leave it there, shall we? Yeah. Um, right. Uh, yep, yeah, so that's it for this week's episode. Thanks once again to our sponsors, the London Bunch. Really appreciate their support this season. Uh, obviously, next weekend is the, the game at Wimbledon, so we'll be, we'll be down there. We might even try and talk to a few uh, London Bunch fans and get a few clips for the, for the next week's pod, maybe, or something like that. So that should be good. Uh, in terms of next week, obviously, we've got a regular episode. We'll be previewing the Wimbledon game. Um, we're looking to record this special, hopefully, maybe late next week, that Dan's got uh, an idea about doing now the transfer window's shut. That's not giving any clues to what it's related to, but it, it, it may or may not be to do with some sort of transfer sort of thing, but we'll have to see. Um, but yeah, so we'll be back with that. Um, and yeah, obviously, we'll be at the, I'll be at the game this weekend, I'll be at the Wimbledon game the weekend after, and uh, yeah, if, you, if anyone sees me, just come and say hello, because we've had a few people coming up saying hello at games, haven't we, Mike? It's yeah, really yeah. Nice, nice to see So oh, we've been listening on the way down to the game, really enjoy it and stuff like that, and it's it's nice to get that feedback from people. Just, tell me what your name is, though, as well, because quite often people say hello, and I think they think I know them, I <laughs> don't necessarily, and if I give you a funny look, it's a bit like, who are you? Please tell me who you are, I'll be I'll, 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 all, right, all right then, you know, but, but yeah, it, it, it's really nice to get them. Good feedback we get game, so really thanks for that. Um yep, so that's it. Thanks everyone for listening and up the blues. Up the blues.